0: Hey folks, it's Cody Stauffer with Playmakers Corner here to tell you about Code Red Coaching. Competing in athletics means you've lifted the weights, you've watched film, and you've got the passion. Problem is, that's what everyone else in the state has done. Perfect your game by honing in on your mental performance with Code Red Coaching. Whether you are a team or an individual, Code Red Coaching has the tools to create mentally solid habits and set up you or your team for success. Find Code Red Coaching at coderedcoaching.com or call 720 979 1914 to learn more today that's coderedcoaching.com or 720-979-1914 today now back to the show
1: all right all right this is simon villanos aka coach v and you are listening to the playmakers corner podcast this is episode 208 your week 9 Colorado High School Football Recap. We got a lot to talk about as this is the second to last week of the regular season for a lot of Colorado High School football teams, uh, except for 3A, but like I said, a lot of them. And so on this episode, we are going to talk about the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday high school football games here in Colorado with each game we talk about I'm also going to talk about playoff chances and what the playoff pictures uh, look for those teams and whatnot so keep an ear out for that And we're also going to talk about the games that we went to. So I went to Montrose versus Mason Ridge on Thursday and Thunder Ridge versus Valor Christian on Friday. And technically, I also went to Littleton versus Conifer. I'll talk about that more briefly, though. And then our guy Gideon, he went to Flatirons Academy versus Highland. And so he'll talk about. About that game, which was a good 1A matchup. And unfortunately, Cody, he was not able to go to any games last week. Uh, he was pretty sick. And so uh, he had the weekend off. And so me and Gideon held it down. So no Cody Stoffer on this episode but we'll talk about those games after that we'll talk about your week 9 playmakers of the week if there were plenty and then we're going to not do any power rankings this week we decided not to do power rankings as we want to focus more on the playoff picture and all that stuff and so we're gonna go 1 through 5a and talk about all of the week 10 games to watch here. all the games that are going to affect the playoff picture who makes it, who gets a bye, seeding, and whatnot. All that great stuff. Uh, we'll talk about all of the matchups that you know are going to be really important to the playoff pictures one through five. A. And then last but not least, we're going to do a quick record watch. There are a couple Colorado high school football records that are set to either be broken this week or in the coming weeks here. And so we want to shout out those players who have had excellent careers, seasons, games all of that great stuff and so we want to make sure we do that and then we'll go ahead and close the show so a jam-packed show here let's go ahead and hop into thursday night football all right so thursday night there were a couple pretty big games so we're gonna start on 5a and then work down to 1a here but in 5a we had a game between pine creek and douglas county pine creek wins this one 38 to 10 pretty easily cam cooper 8 of 12 for 162 passing yards two touchdowns. Mason Miller, the junior running back, 117 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Shout out Jonathan Core as well, the sophomore running back for Pine Creek. He had 13 carries for 102 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. As this Pine Creek backfield got it done as they should. Uh, Douglas County at this point was at the 27th spot in the playoff seeding index. Uh, And you know what? You're going to hear the playoff seeding index a lot. That is the thing that decides you know where teams are going to be seated in the playoffs. And that's made up of max prep rankings and RPI rankings. And then that's just averaged out. So there you go there. Quick explanation. But uh, like I said, Douglas County was at 27. Then they lost. And so that most likely eliminates them from playoff contention. So there you go. Uh, Pine Creek, on the other hand, they're pretty much a lock for buying the playoffs. As they are currently at 5. So even if they lose their next game... They really shouldn't drop out of that top eight. And so they've basically clinched a bye at this point. Moving on though, we have Fountain Four Carson versus Chaparral. They go ahead and beat them 46 to 9 here. Um, you know, great performance all around by Fountain for Carson. Beat them as they should at this point. Uh, Fountain for Carson is safe and a lock for the playoffs. They're at 17 as of today. That's October 24th. And Chaparral, they're one and eight. They're Very much out of the playoffs, but they do have a young quarterback to boot around in Tevin Stokes, so they should be happy about that. Uh, Quick shout-out, though, to Ty Fave. He had two picks, including a pick six in this game for for Carson as they go ahead and defeat Chaparral 46-9. Moving on, we have Columbine versus Lakewood. And Columbine, as you expect, you know, goes ahead and beats Lakewood 56-9. to At this point, Columbine is basically a lock for the playoffs and a buy by being a top eight seed here. As of right now, they are at seven. Um, And actually, I'm not going to say they're a buy or they're a lock for a buy week. In the playoffs as they do pull Chatfield here um, to end the season. And Chatfield has not been playing bad. And so if they want to keep their bye, they really have to win this game. I would say if they lose, it depends how they lose and all that. But, you know, that definitely leaves the door open for other teams to come in and claim their buy. And so if they want to keep their bye going into the playoffs, they have to beat Chatfield. So there you go. Important game there but markane taylor he rushed for 90 yards and three touchdowns at this one shout out to james uh, Bassinger. also got some burn here five carries 84 yards two rushing touchdowns as like i said columbine beats lakewood 56 to 7. we then got eagle crest versus smoky hill and eagle crest kind of wins a closer one 35 to 26 here um as of right now eagle crest is at 15 in the playoff seeding index should be a lock for the playoffs but probably won't get a buy so regardless of what happens in their last week they're gonna make the playoffs that's all you really need to know smoky hill though as of right now is at 26 in the playoffs, they're one and 8 And Smokey Hill, I mean, they've lost plenty of close games this season. Which is why they're only two spots out of the playoffs. But the only way, in my opinion, that they could get into the playoffs is by beating Cherokee Trail. And by a lot, potentially. And even then, that might not be enough. But, you know, if they don't beat Cherokee Trail, then I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So, there you go there. Uh, Smokey Hill, definitely one of those teams on the bubble. Now... These next this next matchup we got two teams that are definitely not on the bubble. We got Mountain Vista versus Highlands Ranch here and Mountain Vista escapes a potential upset by winning 21 to 17 Highlands Ranch would actually take the lead on a touchdown pass to George West to George West. Uh, making it 17-14 to 14 with 6 minutes left in the 4th quarter. But Austin Majeski would come through with a nice touchdown run. After a long 20 yard pass that would put them on the 10. And so he would do all that with about a minute left. Which would give Mountain Vista the lead and the game. As it stands today October 24th. Mountain Vista is currently 13th in the index. But unless a Legacy, Fairview, Rock Canyon or Arapahoe loses in front of them and mountain vista beats valor the last game of the season um they probably won't get a buy on so they need a lot for them to get a buy they're definitely a lock for the playoffs but for them to get a buy mountain vista has to beat valor that's step one and then they'll need a couple teams in front of them to lose so there you go there uh highlands ranch on the other hand Surprisingly, they're at 19 in the playoff index, despite being 2-7. But this close game against Mountain Vista, along with close close losses to Eagle Crest, Roosevelt, and Fairview by one score, along with an upset win over Fountain for Carson, has kept them here in the playoff race. Um, right now, I would say they would have to beat Castleview. That's their last game of the season in order to stay inside the 20. 20- four playoff teams here to stay inside the playoff race if they lose the playoff or sorry if they lose the castle view then they could definitely see a bad slide and that might take them out of the playoff race potentially and so they definitely have to beat Castleview just to be safe to make the playoffs if they don't then things can get a little risky here Speaking of teams that are kind of on the bubble, we have Arvada West versus Pomona. Arvada West goes ahead and wins this one 42-14. to uh, Freshman running back Adrian Sabala, he ran for 118 yards and three rushing touchdowns in this one. And as it stands right now, October 24th, Arvada West is currently 4-5, sitting at 22 in the index with Ralston Valley as their last game of the season. Now... Ralston Valley is basically guaranteed a buy at this point even if they lose to Arvada West so it's not that important of a game to them I would say Uh, but we will see how Ralston Valley plays it their final week Uh, simply put Arvada West just can't get blown out too bad by Ralston Valley if they want to make the playoffs uh arvada west like i said is at 22 if ralston valley does them dirty and puts like 50 on them then you know they're at four and six on the season they have another blowout loss things may not be looking as favorable for them and so as long as arvada west keeps it a close game they don't even have to win it but if they do win it by the way you know that definitely guarantees them a spot in the playoffs uh, but like I said as long as they keep it close they should make the playoffs here uh definitely on the back end though uh, Pomona on the other hand their season's been over so there you go let's move down to 4A here we've got Bear Creek versus Staley Lake a great matchup here a great league matchup Bear Creek actually wins this one 20 to 17 they would come back from being down 17 to zero uh here in the second quarter. But an Adrian Rico to Isaiah Phelps fade route would go for a touchdown with uh, under a minute left in this game. And that would be the game winner along with a Jeremy Basquez uh, interception to go ahead and seal it. So big win for Bear Creek over Stanley Lake there in the last minutes of that game. And uh, that game, an instant thriller there. So there you go. Bear Creek, they're 6-3 with Ponderosa. Uh, left here by this point Bear Creek should be a lock for the playoffs as they are currently at 16 in the playoff index as of today October 24th Stanley Lake they're in a similar position they are 5-4 and four. they do have Dakota Ridge left to play uh, Stanley Lake ironically enough is at 21 with a 5-4 and four record while Dakota Ridge is 3-5 and five, but currently ahead of them at 14. Now, Stanley Lake should be a lock for the playoffs considering the can't slide too bad getting beat by a team ranked so far ahead of them. But if they win, that definitely moves them up in a more favorable spot in the playoffs. So regardless, both teams are pretty much locks for the playoffs, uh, but probably not a bye week. So there you go. Moving on, though, we got Skyline versus Grand Junction Central. Skyline goes ahead and takes care of business, blowing them out 40 to 14. Uh, Skyline, as of right now, is currently 14th according to the index. And at 5-4, and four are basically a lock for the playoffs. With Greeley Central left, they should beat them. And we'll see where they land in the final rankings here. Uh, probably won't get a bye, but like I said, a lock for the playoffs. Uh, Grand Junction Central, on the other hand, at 3-6 with wins over Palisade, who they beat 2015. Grand Junction, who they beat 25-13. And Greeley Central, who they beat 55-6, to along with one close loss to of Monument, uh, which was 14-7 to at the beginning of the season. Um, Grand Junction Central, currently at 22 in the index. Surprising enough. Silver Creek, Rampart Monarch, Thomas Jefferson, Shine Mountain, and Vista Peak are all teams right behind them. Uh, Now, Grand Junction Central, they play Windsor next week, was currently ranked ahead of them at 18, but unless they get blown out by 50, Grand Junction Central shouldn't slide out of the playoffs, and so, although they have a really bad record here, and not many quality wins, it looks like they're going to make it, as long as they don't get blown out by Windsor, so, we'll see what happens there. Moving on, we got Skyline versus Greeley, or sorry Silver Creek versus Greeley Central. Silver Creek defeats Greeley Central, 56 to 26, improving to four and five. They have Mon- Monarch as their last game here. Uh, shout out to Cole Rogers, 235 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, and 49 receiving yards for Silver Creek. Here, uh, as of right now, Silver Creek is at the last spot. In the playoffs, they're at 24. Rampart, though, is right behind them at 25. Uh, so there you go there. Um, and that's as, as of today, you know, after all the games, October 24th. Uh, now, Monarch would need to beat Silver Creek at the end of this uh, season here to secure a spot in the playoffs. Silver Creek is in a similar position. If Silver Creek loses... At 24 that might leave an opening for rampart shine mountain or thomas jefferson to potentially take their spot most likely it would be rampart if rampart beats air academy here and so um this last game between monarch and silver creek will be very interesting as both teams would probably like to win here in order to you know secure a spot in the playoffs so if either team loses then you know their playoff spot will definitely be in question not out of the you know not out of the ordinary that they both could still make it if one of them loses but it would definitely be interesting now moving on we got loveland versus windsor loveland dominates 31 to 0 loveland 8 and 1 on the season they face a long month to end here at this point they're basically guaranteed a buy along with a playoff spot as they're currently number four in the index as of today Windsor they're at five and four they're pretty much a lock for the playoffs they do draw uh Grand Junction Central who is at 22 while they're at 18 they should defeat Grand Junction Central but just in case they don't they still should be a lock for the playoffs they'll just be a little bit lower uh that game will probably matter more for Grand Junction Central as they cannot afford a big loss to Windsor because that might drop them out of the playoffs Windsor though they're fine uh, moving on down to 3A here, we have Canyon City versus Discovery Canyon here. And Canyon City gets the late upset here, 19-16 to with a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter to win this game. Uh, Canyon City at this point literally cannot make the playoffs at all as they are 2-6. Discovery Canyon though, they are kind of on the bubble. They are now at 25 uh, in the playoff index, although they are 5-3. And now, Discovery Canyon, they play Pueblo East and Sand Creek to end their season. Their best bet of making the playoffs um, at that 16th seed is defeating both Pueblo East and Sand Creek by a solid amount. With the help of some teams in front of them losing. Um, But losing either game would kill their playoff chances, in my opinion. Discovery Canyon has to beat both teams to make the playoffs. Or even have a chance at making the playoffs. So, there you go. Speaking of making the playoffs, we have Resurrection Christian versus Mountain View, and Resurrection Christian is definitely making the playoffs. They just beat Mountain View 28-0. Rez is sitting here at 7-1 with another easy win that should end uh, Mountain View's playoff chances if they weren't already over. But Rez is currently at 8 in the playoff index, but they pull Thompson Valley and Northridge, who played each other this last weekend, and are both currently ranked. Um, So, there you go there. If Rez wants to have a high seed, a top seed in the playoffs, beating both Thompson Valley and Northridge would go a long way here. Rez, I believe, plays Northridge first, and so beating them would help them seeding-wise. So, there you go there. Um, moving on though we have Fort Morgan versus Holy Family Holy Family wins 35 to 13 thanks to a 191 yard two rushing touchdown and 36 receiving yard and one receiving touchdown performance from Chase McNaughton I want to say Holy Family though they're now five and three basically locked into the playoffs at five according to the seeding index that's assuming they don't lose to both Lincoln and Kennedy obviously. Now, worst case scenario if they do lose to one, they could probably afford it, but they won't be able to afford to lose to both. Um and even then, they still might make the playoffs. It would just be on the very back end. For Morgan on the other hand, they are 3 and 5. They're currently sitting at 25 in the in the index and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They do have games against Northfield, who's just ahead of them uh, at 20, and Lutheran, who is sitting at three. Um, If they beat both, then they make it, but that's a little bit of a tall order to ask, so there you go. All right, moving on. Let's talk about two-way football here. We got Faith Christian versus Eden here. Eden wins, forty-seven to seven, moving to seven and one on the season. They're currently at three here with a league championship game against the Academy, uh, which myself and Cody should be at uh, now. Eden, they're a lock for the playoffs and for a high seed uh, since their opponent is at five here in the playoff index the academy is at five at the playoff index so even if they lose they should still make the playoffs now i could see eden taking over delta for that second seed in the index if eden beats the academy by more points than delta does and so eden would have to blow out the academy basically here for that to happen so there you go there uh faith christian they're out of the playoffs they're two and six all right uh, we got Platte Valley versus Wellington. Platte Valley defeats Wellington 22, or sorry, 28 to six, moving to four and four. They have Prospect Ridge Academy ahead of them to end the season. Um, right now, Platte Valley is currently at 22. They're about six spots out of the playoffs with Pagosa Springs, Steamboat Springs, Salida, Brush, Bennett, and University ahead of them. Not only do they need to properly blow out Prospect Ridge Academy, I'm talking about by at least 50 points, but they will need the teams in front of them to lose in order for them to make the playoffs. We will see what happens there. Wellington, on the other hand, uh, they are now 4-4. Four and four. They do play Bennett to end the season. Wellington, unfortunately, is just very outside of the playoff picture. Uh, according to the index, they're at 33 and so, I don't think they will make the playoffs even if they blow out Bennett. Um, and so, there you go there. But this is not even a bad record for their first season. Because you got to remember, Wellington, you know, this is their first season as a program here. And so, 4-4, four and four, if, if they lose to Bennett, they'd be 4-5. and five. If they win, they're 5-4. That's not a bad record to have. Uh, assuming all your players, most of their players, are underclassmen. So lot to build off of here if you are Wellington. You could be happy with how this season is ending here and how it went. So there you go. Now, we have a couple 1A games. Two 1A games to talk about here on Thursday night. Estes Park versus Sheridan. Sheridan would actually forfeit to Estes here. Uh, Estes Park is 7-1 with Flatirons Academy left as their last game of the season. As it stands right now, Estes Park is currently at 16 But it feels like a very fragile 16th seed as, you know, they weren't able to play Sheridan. So they weren't able to, you know, get some of the points that would help them out according to RPI and, you know, rankings and all that. And so uh, they were only able to get a forfeit. They weren't able to blow out Sheridan like they probably would have. And so they definitely need to beat Flatirons Academy secure their spot in the playoffs as Flatirons is right outside looking in uh, and this game against them would basically be for a playoff spot so that last game would be so there you go then we got cedar ridge versus roaring fork cedar ridge wins 34 8 moving to four and four uh they got cedar ridge that is they have buena vista to end the season uh they're currently at 21 cedar ridge according to the index with the middle park Flatirons bla Ignacio and Estes Park which is at 16 all in front of them for Cedar Ridge to make the playoffs they have to beat Buena Vista who is currently at five to even have a chance at the playoffs and that's a really tall order as is now if they do beat him then we'll see what happens you know but if they don't that's it so there you go all right so those are all the Thursday night football games let me go ahead and recap this Montrose versus Mesa Ridge game here which you know had playoff implications here you know deciding whether or not a team would have a buy here uh so there you go the team that would win would basically have a buy in the playoffs or be in a good spot to secure by in the playoffs what's good y'all let's go ahead and talk about montrose versus mesa ridge this game took place on thursday october 20th 2022 a battle between two top 10 teams a league game actually as Montrose would go ahead and travel to C.A. Foster Stadium to go play Mesa Ridge but here's how it went down. Montrose started with the ball and something really key to note is that Mesa Ridge apparently did not have their kicker for the entire first half of this game which really affected the outcome of this game because they were forced to kick an onside kick. And Montrose easily recovered that kick and took over on the 50. So they had a very short field to start with, uh, to to begin this game here. And on this first drive, it went by pretty quickly. Blake Griffin, Montrose's running back, he got a dive right up the middle. That went for like 20 plus yards, where he just gashed that Mason Ridge defense. And then in an a legal shift later, uh, Tori Eckerman on the outside run. He ran a lot of their sweeps and end-arounds here uh, in this game. He got a big-time 32-yard touchdown that would go ahead and put Montrose up 7-0 with 10 minutes and 15 seconds left here in the first quarter. Just like that, they go up, uh, making the most out of this short field. Mace Ridge, on the other hand, they take over on the 17-yard line. Not the greatest return here but uh here's what happened on this drive after some early struggles including a holding penalty and a swing route that is just absolutely blown up here uh they go ahead and get a first down thanks to a trevin salas run here for a first down that would put them at the 42 Uh, trevin salas their standout freshman running back here so there you go and then salicy would go ahead and get another First down across the midfield um, on a run right up the middle. And this is where they really get going here. Bryce Real, the quarterback, Mason Ridges quarterback, then uh, drops back and finds the junior wide receiver, Avon Wright, for a nice catch over the middle that gives them a third consecutive first down in a row here. Uh they go back to right who gets them another uh first down which would you know be another one in a row here Now at this point they're in the red zone and you know mason ridge is really rolling at this point and they continue to roll as they go ahead and hand it off to their power running back to junior isaiah jones and he goes ahead and he like, powers through this entire Montrose defense, shakes off a couple of tackles, runs over a couple of defenders, and boom, just like that, they are in the end zone with a chance to tie this game. But, like I said, Mason Ridge's kicker, he was not here, uh, not available for this first half. I believe uh, um, the kicker had a soccer game to be at. So, there you go. And so, Mason Ridge, they are forced to go for two here. And they ran a fade route. It was there, like it wasn't a bad play call at all, but it was slightly overthrown. And so there you go, incomplete. Montrose still had a seven to six lead here. Um, and so here we go. They go ahead and kick it to Montrose. Oh boy, and uh, the kick goes out of bounds. You know, doesn't, you know, doesn't stay in bounds. Doesn't go up the middle. It just goes wide right. Um, at least that's what it looked like here. And so Montrose, they take over with nice field position here on the 35. And here's how they get it going. They start with a Torrey Eckerman sweep. You know how Montrose plays. They don't really pass the ball and so they're going to run it. And so that's one of their go-tos there. And Tori he goes ahead and gets them on the 50-yard line at mid field then number three austin zimmer gets another big time run on a misdirection here he gets about 15 plus yards and another first down that puts them on the 24 just outside the red zone tory eckerman on another sweep will then put them in the red zone um specifically on the 12 yard line right after that and give them a first down here now a couple plays later Maserich does Put, they do put them in a third and three situation on the five yard line, but Montrose, they run the ball up the middle and they get just enough for a first down just outside the end zone here. But it doesn't matter. Blake Griffin goes ahead and punches it up the middle and makes it a 14 to six game after the PAT. There's about two minutes left here in the first quarter. And so here we go, Mesa. They take over. Uh, this time, get a solid return. They're on the 35. And Mesa Ridge, they really want to feed the running backs. Um, the freshman, Trayvon Salas, and. Isaiah Jones, the power back, both really good running backs, by the way, and so that's what they do, uh, solace he gets them a first down after bouncing a nice run outside, that puts them on the 47, Jones would go ahead and uh, get them past the midfield on a dive forward, powering through a couple defenders once again. Then, on this was a pretty key play here. You know, Bryce Rio, the quarterback, he would go ahead and scramble around on this pass play. And he would find a wide-open Avon Wright. But, unfortunately, he would just drop it. It would have been like a 30-plus, 40-plus yard reception. Potentially a touchdown. Um, But, like I said, it was dropped here. A couple plays later, it is 3rd and 11 after a screen is snuffed out and here's what happens bryce real drops back but the snap is kind of low doesn't matter he recovers it and he keeps on running and he rolls out and throws to number four of mesa ridge that is ethan bowen i believe And he gets, I mean, he catches the low ball and brings up a manageable fourth and fourth. And that ends the first quarter. And to start the second quarter, here we go. Mesa Ridge, they are going for it. It's fourth and four. They are just about... You know, they're a couple yards outside of the red zone, uh, but definitely on the other side of the field. And so here's what happens. They go ahead and call a pass play. Nobody gets open right away. And so Montrose is bringing the pressure and Bryce Real, he is forced to scramble. He tries to run for the first down, but unfortunately is brought down just a yard short. And so just like that, Montrose takes over on the 31 yard line here. And on the first play of this Montrose drive, they go in and hand it off to Tori Ackerman on well, what you could guess is a jet sweep here. And he goes 69 yards to the house for a Montrose touchdown. And after the PAT makes it a 21-6 game here with about 11 minutes, 38 seconds left here in the second quarter and you know Montrose they love to run out the clock play good defense being up by two scores against a team like Montrose is almost a death sentence and so Mesa they really gotta get something going here and so Mesa Ridge would actually get a nice return plus some penalty yardage that would go ahead and put them on the 39 uh yard line across midfield he almost returned it for a touchdown so there you go there. But unfortunately, there is a holding call to start this drive here. Um, well, after the first play, there is a holding call. And so it becomes second and 21 here. Kind of in a tough spot, but doesn't matter. They go ahead and drop back Bryce real He extends the play, avoids the pass rusher, and finds Avon Wright. Goes back to him, who makes the catch this time for a big 20-plus yard Play on top of that they call roughing the passer on Montrose and so it is first uh down here on the five-yard line, first and goal on the five-yard line, and to cap off this drive to make the most of that return, Bryce Real goes ahead and runs this one in, making it a 21 to 12 game here. Still with that, their kicker Mesa Ridge is forced to go for it, and you know they go ahead and call a pass play and they get it. But unfortunately they call a false start on Mesa and so uh, they got to replay the down here and obviously they are pushed back. And so they call another play. They run it and all that. But they do call a penalty on Mesa Ridge. Montrose declines it because the two-point conversion was no good. And so it's 21-12 to going into uh, this next drive here. There's about 10 minutes left here in the half. Now, this kick is a bad one. Goes out of bounds again. And so Montrose, once again, takes over on the 40-yard line here with a chance to go ahead and extend this lead. And Montrose, you know, they get all the way down into the red zone thanks to a couple of Tory Ackerman sweeps and Blake Griffin dives. Nothing too crazy here. But once they get into the red zone, they kind of begin to stall out a little bit. And so they do actually call pass play. And it works. You know, none of the Mesa Ridge defenders are there to defend it. So yeah, the quarterback, uh, Gage Wareham, has like four or five open targets here. But uh, he is not able to complete the pass for some reason. It's about five yards short. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a horrible pass, to be honest with you. And so that brings up fourth down. And on fourth down, Monchos, they try to run it, but they fumble the handoff. And so Mesa makes a big stand here and they take over on the 20 with about four minutes and 11 seconds left. But Mesa Ridge is not able to capitalize on this turnover as they get a turnover of themselves they actually fumble the handoff uh, just like Montrose did and Montrose recovers it with about 3 minutes and 11 seconds left here and so here's what ends up happening Gage Wareham you know they go ahead and call another pass play and this time he does not miss he finds his running back Blake Griffin who scores on the short receiving touchdown and so just like that it is a 28 to 12 game they go up by two scores once more here and so here uh right before half there's about 40ish 50 seconds left here Mesa they try to get something going they do throw a Hail Mary at the end here uh but it is deflected and so going into halftime it is 28 to 12 Montrose leads but Ma- uh, but Mesa Ridge they do get the ball To start the third quarter And on top of that I guess their kicker came back And so uh, There you go But here we go Mesa they take over on the 28 To start here they start with a good throw, a great throw to Ethan uh, Bowen over the middle. And that goes for about 20 plus yards past midfield. Great way to get this drive started. Uh, then after that, a couple plays later, Bryce Real was sacked, making it third and nine. But it doesn't matter as Bryce Real on the next play. They go ahead and call pass. He works up the pocket, tries to find somebody. Nobody's open. So he takes off and gets 10 yards for a first down. Uh, A couple plays in, he tries to throw it again, but they do call P.I. on Montrose, and so that actually puts Mesa on the 20 here in the red zone with a first down here. And to go ahead and end up this drive, Bryce Rio drops back and finds his receiver Tanner Wittick, on a quick hitter slant. Uh, Bryce Rio was feeling the pressure here, but he just delivered a great ball. Lines his guy on the inside who had leverage, and he goes ahead and runs it in for a nice touchdown here. And just like that, Mesa Trails 28 to 19. Uh, obviously, they have their kicker, so they kick the extra point. There's about nine minutes left here in the third quarter, plenty of time here. And so um, Montrose. You know, they take over on the 20. This kick, like I said, uh, with the kicker in, he goes in and kicks it out the field. Or, sorry, in the end zone here. And so, uh, that's a touchback. And Montrose takes over on the 20-yard line. And on this play, I mean, or on this drive, Montrose, they're just trying to run out the clock, you know. um, Which is basically just running their offense. And so, they go ahead and give it off to Austin Zimmer on a nice misdirection. He gets a first down. They do call rare play action pass, but it just, I mean, it goes to the running back, Blake Griffin, and he gets them another first down in a row here. So, at this point, they're on the 33. Then, Torrey Eckerman he goes ahead and breaks loose on a misdirection play. Not a sweep here, but a misdirection. That goes for about 30-plus yards and a touchdown and so Montrose is actually leading, 34 to 19. They're not able to kick the extra uh, point here because, for some reason, the snap is fumbled. So there you go. So it's 34 to 19. Mesa they go ahead and take over on the 48 they get a nice return here on the first play they call PI on mantra so that's an automatic first down and they do get on the 35 yard line and then here we go Bryce real drops back and he dials one up to Carver Cheeks who finally gets loose here after getting bracketed all night long and he Carver reels in a nice 35 yard touchdown off the right sideline to go ahead and pump up this crowd here uh mesa they go ahead and decide to go for two here uh to make it a 27 34 27 game instead of a 34 26 game but the two point conversion unfortunately is just slightly overthrown here and so it stays a 34 to 25 game here that's only a nine point game there's about five minutes left here in the third quarter and so Montrose on the first play of this drive they obviously try to run the ball but the handoff is once again fumbled Mesa Ridge recovers the fumble on the bad handoff and so they take over on the 26 yard line um, just a couple yards outside the red zone with about 5 minutes 30 seconds left here but Unfortunately, Mason Ridge is just not able to capitalize here. A couple false starts, um, a couple incompletions, and whatnot. But specifically, the false start killed them here. Because that made it, you know, instead of a second 11 situation, a second 19 situation. That would go ahead and kill this drive. And so Montrose eventually would take over on the 20 and avoid a scare there so with less than a minute left in the third montrose as always run the ball and so uh, blake griffin a uh, run up the middle gets 10 plus yards, supporting them on the 42 Tori Ackerman gets them another first down and that basically is the end of the third quarter here in the fourth quarter nothing too much changes they continue to run the ball until they go ahead and pass it to number 15 here uh Montrose passes it to number 15 here that's Alonzo Leba I want to say they're tight end and he makes I mean I don't know if he necessarily made a couple Mesa Ridge defenders miss um the Mason Ridge defenders were just not tackling well on this play and so he almost scores almost but instead he goes ahead and puts them on the two yard line here obviously in the red zone it's first and goal and first and goal i mean that's basically an automatic montrose touchdown at this point and that's what happens boy griffin up the middle goes for another montrose touchdown now montrose for some reason wants to go for two here to make it up three score game here I i guess i get it but not really. Um, the handoff is fumbled, so two point conversion is no good. Montrose does lead by 15 here, 40 to 25, with 11 minutes left here in this game. And so, here we go Mason Ridge off the touchback, take over on the 20. Bryce Real finds Carver Cheeks on a short pass that goes for a first down, and then Bryce Reel goes ahead and dials up. A big time touchdown here to Tanner Wittig. It goes for 50 plus yards here as Mesa Ridge wants to make sure that Monchos knows that they're still there, and so they go ahead and uh, throw that touchdown. And just like that, it is 31 to 40. Um, Mesa Ridge decides to go for it here, which is interesting. And once again, they don't get it. So. It's 31 to 40 here uh, 10 minutes left montrose takes over they are running the ball here and they, by the way they get a nice return they get to um the 45 yard line past midfield and so they are running the ball here um you know potentially trying to score here but also if they could use up a lot of this clock that wouldn't be bad either and so here we go here number 24 for montrose I believe that is Aiden Grijalva. I want to say, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong. He gets them a big run on third down that does put them on the five yard line here. Obviously gives Montrose a first down on this drive. And then they go ahead and run it up the middle for another Montrose touchdown. Extending the lead to... 46 to 31 um after the PAT which they make it at this point there's about five minutes 45 seconds left here in this game here uh Mace Ridge they try to get something going here but too many penalties go ahead and kill the vibes of this drive and eventually Montrose stops them here uh for- Oh my god, it was a 4th and 31 situation after a huge Montrose sack here. And so Montrose, like I said, would go ahead and stop them and run out the clock as Montrose defeats Mesa Ridge on the road here 46-31 to in a big-time game here. That will be big for the rankings and whatnot. Um, Mesa Ridge not playing bad at all. Obviously, I feel like if they had their kicker, Then this game would have been a lot more winnable just because the field position for Montrose was like, I mean, it was awesome for Montrose. They never started farther than the 35 yard line on a kick, you know, on a kickoff. And so that kind of hurt them. Plus Mason Ridge having to go for two all the time uh, because, you know, they were in an early hole, not being able to kick the PAT and all that stuff. Obviously kind of hurt them, you know, and so if they were to play again, I think this game would be a lot closer. I think Mason Rich could even beat them and whatnot. And so we'll see what happens. Montrose, I mean, you know, they do their thing. They run the ball and whatnot, but defensively, they definitely allowed a couple big time passes uh, and showed some vulnerability in that secondary, not as, you know, concerned as their front seven, but that secondary uh, might need to tighten up a little bit as playoffs approach, especially as they play Pueblo West, assuming Pueblo West decides to pass it. So there you go, final. Once again, Montrose wins 46-31 to over Mesa Ridge. Montrose is now 7-2, and and Mesa Ridge is now 6-3. and All right, there you go there. That was a pretty good game to be at. Let's go ahead and move on to the Friday night games here. Let's recap all of those. Starting on the 5A level, we got Fairview versus Fossil Ridge. Basically, the league championship here. And Fairview goes ahead and defeats Fossil Ridge 42-26. Tyler Kubat was back for this game. But Fairview still found a way to get it done here. And basically win the league at this point. Shout out to Zach Lewis. He had 129 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns, 8 tackles, and a sack in this game. He is definitely a Playmaker of the Week candidate. As it stands right now, Fairview is currently 11 right now in the play according to the playoff index and they play rocky mountain high school who's currently 21 even if fairview loses or if they win you know i can't imagine them moving high enough to garner a playoff buy or for them to drop out of the playoffs. so there you go fossil ridge is definitely in a similar situation even if they win or lose uh, they should still be a lock for the playoffs. so there you go there uh, moving on, we got Horizon versus Legacy. Legacy takes care of business, winning 42 13. Colin Lerma, 8 of 15 for 120 passing yards, three touchdowns. Tyler Madden, five receptions, 108 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Tyler Anderson, 76 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns as the Legacy goes out and takes care of business against Horizon. Legacy right now, they're at 12. They're basically a lock for the playoffs. They play Brighton at the end of the season, uh, who's not in the playoff picture at all. Uh, Legacy does not have a great, the greatest chance at a bye right now. And so, win or lose, they should still make the playoffs. That really won't change, you know, where they're at. As far as you know, getting a buy or dropping out of the playoffs. So there you go. There, Ryzen. They're not in the playoff picture. Then we got Puda versus Fort Collins here. Puda wins 41 to 15. Puda right now is at 18 according to the index uh, at seven and two with Fossil Ridge to end the season. Gideon will be at this game. Um, the winner of this game will be the king of Fort Collins, and I believe uh the kings of the north so there you go there now win or lose for either team won't affect uh you know their playoff standings as much as both are pretty much locks for the playoffs here Moving on, we got Cherokee Trail versus Grandview. Grandview wins big here, 28-0. Liam Zarka, 27-40, 328 passing yards and three touchdowns. But Simon Kibby, the tight end, 11 receptions, 152 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. That's half of Grandview's points here would go ahead and contribute to this big-time dub. Grandview right now is sitting tight at number six, according to the index, and they play Cherry Creek, who's number one, obviously, to end the season. Regardless of winning or losing, Grandview should hold on to their bye week, uh, their playoff bye week. Cherokee Trail, on the other hand, they are three and six, and they are currently at 23 in the index so kind of on that bubble now they play Smokey Hill who is on the outside looking in at 26. Smoky Hill that is now if Cherokee Trail loses that might be enough to kick them out of the playoff picture. And so Cherokee Trail really cannot afford to lose to Smoky Hill here. Uh, so that'll be a key game to look at if you want to see if, uh, you know, Cherokee Trail is going to make the playoffs or not. Especially if you are a team um, that is outside looking in, you want to see if Cherokee Trail loses. Because if they do, then a spot for the playoffs might open up. So there you go. Moving on though, we got Cherry Creek versus Arapahoe. Cherry Creek wins pretty easily here. 42 to uh to seven. Brady Vodika, 9 of 15, 158 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Jordan Heron, 106 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh he also had one reception, which was a 70-yard 78-yard touchdown reception. So there you go. Carlson, Bubba Tan comes back, 106 rushing yards and a touchdown here. No, Ishmael CC, he sat this one out here but is looking to potentially play soon here um, or not. Cherry Creek might just sit him into the playoffs. As of right now, Cherry Creek is currently number one in the state and is pretty much guaranteed to buy whether they win or lose to Grandview, but they're definitely favored in that game. So there you go there. Arapaho, on the other hand, is currently sitting just outside of the bye week teams here at number nine here. Uh, And they play number 15 Eagle Crest to end the season. If Arapahoe wants a chance at garnering a bye week, they have to beat Eagle Crest. They just do. And then once that happens, they will need Thunder Ridge to lose to Rock Canyon as well. Uh, That's most likely the scenario to put them in the bye week conversation here because right now they're just sitting outside but they do have a good chance at getting a bye week but step one they have to beat eagle crest if they don't beat eagle crest they're not going to get a bye week simple as that moving on though let's move on north we got rocky mountain playing boulder and rocky mountain wins big 42 to the three as they should thanks to a dominant ground game uh abraham shatilla the I hope I'm saying that right, by the way. The junior running back on 23 carries, one for 200 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Rocky Mountain has Fairview to end the season. Rocky, as of right now, is at 21, according to, in, to the index. A loss to a number 11 Fairview team shouldn't end their season. At least I don't think so. And so Rocky Mountain is basically a lock for the playoffs. Now, if they beat Fairview... For any reason here then you know they should move up but we'll see like i said regardless they're a lock for the playoffs it's not like beating fairview would give them a bye week uh so yeah mullen versus prairie view mullen wins this one 38 to 23 kind of a close one but ben i want to say it's kirza i want to say excuse me if i'm saying that wrong but he goes 17 of 26 300 passing yards five passing touchdowns in uh this one here mullen as of right now is currently at 25 in the playoff index one spot out looking in here mullen they play range view to end the season um and they they gotta beat range view for a chance at the playoffs so there you go there if they lose the range view that they're not making the playoffs mullen that is now if they beat range view that doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot they're gonna need teams on that bubble to lose, and so we'll see what happens. But Mullen absolutely needs to take care of business this next week if they even want a chance. So, there you go. Uh, now, this next game, I'm going to talk about Legend versus Regis Jesuit. Both teams basically guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, but Regis they go ahead and win this one 26 to 11. A legend did not start John Brookhart here, looks like they started their sophomore quarterback. Nick Farley, who kind of struggled, 115 of 29, 151 passing yards, two interceptions, uh, no scores here. Uh, a DeAndre Barnes interception for Regis Jesuit, followed by an Aiden Chase touchdown, made it 26-11, to 11, which would basically end this game with about a minute left here in the third quarter. So there you go, Regis defeats Legend 26-11. to, le- uh, to 11. Uh, Legend, as of right now, is currently at 16 pretty much a lock for the playoffs they do play douglas county uh who's not in the playoff picture at all and so um assuming they don't lose to them they should make the playoffs but even if they did they should probably still make the playoffs regardless um quickly though do want to shout out anthony medina for albert medina for regis Jesuit. he had 85 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns on this one uh speaking of regis they are currently at four and they play number 17 fountain for carson to end the season even if they lost the Fountain for Carson, I don't think that would be enough to slide them out of a bye week. So there you go, reach just would definitely guarantee a playoff spot and a bye week as of right now. Now, uh, a team that is looking to potentially get a bye week is Rock Canyon. Here, they played Castleview and they defeated Castleview 28 to three off of three Luke Winogo touchdowns. Rock Canyon right now is at number ten according to the index. With number 8, Thunder Ridge, to end the season. Now, if they beat them, that would definitely give them a solid chance at taking Thunder Ridge's bye week. um, Which they are currently slated to have. Thunder Ridge, that is. Now, if they lose them, I mean, they're still going to make the playoffs. It's not the end of the world or anything like that. But Rock Canyon definitely benefits more by winning this game than Thunder Ridge does. Uh, So there you go there we'll see what happens there Uh, moving on we got chatfield versus ralston valley ralston valley Beats Chatfield 27-20. Deano Banalo rushing touchdown would put them up 27-10 with two minutes left in the third. So it's not as close as the score looks here. But a Jake Jones touchdown pass and a field goal with about four minutes left in this game would make it closer. But Ralston Valley was definitely in control for most of this game. Uh, Josh Rios, six receptions, 153 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. Definitely a playmaker of the week candidate here. Uh, As it stands right now, Ralston Valley, they're at three. And they play Arvada West to end the season, who is currently at 22. Uh, Ralston Valley is basically guaranteed a bye week uh, and obviously a playoff spot. But this game will matter. This last game will matter more to Arvada West as they cannot afford to get blown out by Ralston Valley. So we'll see how Ralston plays it here now chat uh chatfield on the other hand they are at 20 and at their four and five according to the playoff index chatfield plays columbine number seven columbine to end the season now columbine cannot afford to lose this game if they want to keep their bye that's just how it is if columbine defeats chatfield chatfield should still be able to make the playoffs here Obviously, if Columbine blows that Chatfield, that would be a pretty big dent, and we'll see how far they fall. But I don't think it would be enough here for Chatfield to fall completely out of the playoffs. Who knows though? We'll see. Now let's go ahead and talk about 4-A ball here. You have Golden versus Adam City. As you can expect, Golden wins 40 to uh, 42 to 14 here. Uh Golden, they're at 12. According to the index, they play Grand Junction, who's not in the playoff picture at all. And so, there you go. Golden is a lock for the playoffs. Uh, I don't think there's any room for them to move up and get a bye week. So, there you go. Coronado versus Pueblo West. Pueblo West wins, uh, as you could expect, once again, 49-7. to 7. Jacob Trader, 221 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. West is currently at 13, according to the index. And they play number 5 Montrose to end the season. A win or loss really really shouldn't affect their standing too much. But if they beat Montrose, maybe they could sneak in at 8 if a couple of teams lose and whatnot. But, you know, that's kind of a complicated scenario. For now, though, both teams are basically guaranteed a playoff spot. Um, Montrose, I mean, this one matters more. If they lose to West, then, you know, their bye week might be on the line. We'll see there. Moving on, though, we have a close game here. Uh, Broomfield versus of Monument here, and Broomfield wins to stay undefeated 21-14. Cola Crew had a good game, 178 passing yards, 1 passing touchdowns, no turnovers here, 81 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown here. Uh, so that was pretty big for Broomfield to go ahead and take a step towards winning their league here. Uh, Fruit and Monument, I mean, they played pretty hard here against the undefeated team. Uh, you know, one of the top three teams in the state in 4A. And they didn't do a bad job. It just, you know, it just didn't go their way here. So, there you go there. But Broomfield currently is number two according to the seeding index. And they pull number seven heritage to end the season. Um, this game doesn't matter as much for Broomfield as it will for Heritage. If Broomfield absolutely, like... Beats the Breaks off of Heritage. then Heritage might lose their bye week here. Um, but, you know, if they win barely or lose barely, it shouldn't matter too much here. I mean, both teams should still have a bye, probably. So, there you go. Freedom Monument, on the other hand, they are currently at number 9. That game against Broomfield was kind of a game they needed to earn a bye week here. As, right now, they'll face Adam City to end the season Who they should beat you know but you know they may need a couple teams in front of them to lose along with a huge win over Adam City in order to get a bye week in the playoffs so it's not like they're completely out of it they're only one spot outside of a bye week here but we'll see what happens some crazy things will have to happen for Fruit of Monument to get a bye week here that and it's kind of out of their hands I mean they, they could beat Adam City by as much as they want doesn't necessarily guarantee them a spot so there you go, uh, Liberty versus Thornton. Not that it matters, but Liberty beats Thornton 22 to six. Unfortunately, neither team is making the playoffs, as Liberty is like past 30, so they're not even in the playoff picture, despite being like six and three. Which, eh, you know, make what make what you want out of that. So there you go. Now back to playoff teams. We have Erie versus Longmont Erie. Uh, continues to win here and kind of survives Longmont who sticks around in this game, but here he wins 44-21. Blake Barnett, a playmaker of the week candidate, he won 13 of 22, 225 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He had 76 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. And that was all before he got, it looks like he got ejected in the fourth quarter, some sort of taunting thing, or at least that's what it says here on the recap here doesn't matter though as blake barnett kept scoring touchdowns to keep longmont as bay as like i said longmont stuck around here uh longmont's cole gaddis he had 120 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns in this one as this game was pretty close but Erie prevails ultimately uh Erie they're at number 11 according to the index they get greeley west who they should absolutely slam to be honest with you Erie as of right now is a lock for the playoffs but won't get a bye week so there you go longmont on the other hand they're currently at 19 according to the index and they play number four loveland to end the season both teams are locked for the playoffs uh longmont and loveland loveland but even if loveland somehow loses i think loveland should still have a bye week so there you go there but there you go longmont i would say is basically secured here and locked in for the playoffs Moving on, though, we got Vista Ridge versus Rampart. Vista Ridge definitely locked into the playoffs. But, you know, just in case they go ahead and blow out Rampart 40-7. Brayden Dorman continuing his heat streak here. 326 passing yards, 6 passing touchdowns, no turnovers. BB Hills, Brandon Hills, 5 receptions, 158 receiving yards, 3 receiving touchdowns. Gavin Jenkins, he had himself a game. Four receptions, 107 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. Then on defense, he had some guys making plays. A.J. Jordan, three sacks, one forced fumble. Uh, JoJo Garnett, 10 tackles, two interceptions, one forced fumble, and a blocked field goal. Golly! Golly! Looking like a whole tank out here doing his thing against Rampart. Doing whatever he wants against Rampart. So, there you go. Like I said, as Vista Ridge wins big 40-7. to uh, Vista Ridge, they pulled Palmer Ridge at home to end the season. Myself and Cody will be there in person um, for that one. Vista Ridge is currently at 8 with a bye week, with a projected bye week. Palmer Ridge is currently at 1. I really don't think Vista Ridge is in... Any danger of losing their bye week, as long as they don't lose in the same way as they did to Palmer Ridge last year, where Palmer Ridge kind of just blew them out. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but like I said, both teams in that matchup, uh, Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge, are basically guaranteed a bye week. We'll just have to see how it goes down. I mean, it should be a good game. And on top of that, there are definitely a couple Colorado high school football. Uh, records on the line in that game so you know we'll uh, we'll be there like i said to potentially witness history as should you uh if you are listening to this and don't have anything to do friday night so there you go uh rampart on the other hand i mean they lost the vista ridge i mean i don't think they were ever going to really beat them but currently rampart is number 25 according to the index they play number 20 air academy to end the season and hey, playoffs start now for Rampart. This is a must-win if they want to make the playoffs. If they want to make the playoffs, they have to beat Air Academy. If they beat him, I think they're in. You know, easy as that. If they don't beat him, I don't think they're in. I don't think they're in the playoffs. So there you go there. That's as serious as it gets for Rampart. Moving on, though, we have Widefield versus Centaurus. Uh, Widefield wins 20-7. to Gabriel Segura ran for 78 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns on this one. Uh, Widefield is currently 8-1 in a really good spot here. They play Liberty to end the season. Uh, but Widefield, though, I mean, they're currently at 17, and they're basically a lock for the playoffs. I don't really foresee them losing to Liberty. But, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. If Even if they lost the Liberty, I mean, it'd have to be a pretty bad loss for them to slide 7, 8 spots all the way out of the playoffs. So, we'll, I mean, you know, we'll see there. Moving on, though, we got Ponderosa versus Thomas Jefferson. This was a really close one. Ponderosa avoids the upset and wins barely 7-6. A passing touchdown with a minute left in the second quarter would basically decide the game along with great defense obviously uh, both defense not allowing the other one to score here so there you go but regardless a win's a win ponderosa defeats thomas jefferson seven to six and uh currently ponderosa is number three according to the index and they play number 16 bear creek to end the season i don't think this matchup should change too much um like you know the future for either ponderosa and bear creek if ponderosa loses to bear creek i don't think that's enough to take away the buy. if pondo beats bear creek that's not going to kick bear creek out of the playoffs so there you go there now on the other hand we have thomas jefferson they are currently sitting at 27 according to the index and they play number six denver south here if Thomas Jefferson wants any chance on making the playoffs, they have to beat Denver South. So that's going to be a big game there. And even if they beat Denver South, there's no guarantee that they make the playoffs there. That's just their best chance. If they lose to them, then that's it. So, yeah, there you go. Moving on, though, we got Palmer Ridge versus Cheyenne Mountain. And Palmer Ridge takes care of business 56-26. to Derek Hester, 7 of 9, 135 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns, 15 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown. Extremely efficient season continues. Josh Gerlach with another interception. He actually had a receiving touchdown as well in this game as he continues a very good season as well. Um, Still no Gator Robinson in this game. So, there you guys. assume Gator will play against Vista Ridge though. As that is Palmer Ridge's next game here. And... I mean, uh, if they lose to Vista Ridge, I don't think they're gonna lose their bye. If they beat Vista Ridge, I mean, they're the number one seed in 4A anyway. So there you go. Shine Mountain, I think their season is pretty much over at this point. I mean, they do have one more game, but after that, it's pretty much over. Uh, so yeah, Heritage versus Aurora Central. Heritage wins 46, 45 to three here. They will play Broomfield um as their last game of the season win or lose both are basically a lock for the playoffs with a bye so there you go shout out noah shown five of ten hundred one passing yards two passing touchdowns 99 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns in this big time effort so there you go there dakota ridge versus grand junction dakota ridge wins as they should 49 to 3 blake paladino his best game on the season so far getting better Each game, he goes 6 of 9 nice for 105 passing yards, 2 passing touchdowns, no turnovers. Did also get 36 rushing yards and 3 rushing touchdowns. So there you go. Definitely a playmaker of the week candidate here. Uh, Dakota Ridge is currently at 15 with number 1, or sorry, not number 1, number 21 Stanley Lake to end the season. Um, I don't think this game should affect either team too much, win or lose, as both are pretty much locks for the playoffs. So so yeah. Moving on to 3-A football though, we got George Washington versus Riverdale Ridge. G Dub wins 28 to 10. They're at 13 according to the index. And they got Denver North and then Frederick, who is currently at nine to end the season. That last game should be key for them if they want to move up and get a better seeding in the playoffs. We'll see what happens, um, but they're basically a lock here, assuming they don't get upset by Denver North. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, anything could happen. But moving on, we got Kennedy versus Lincoln. Kennedy wins fifty to eight. Isaac Sisneros, sixteen of twenty-eight, three hundred five passing yards, three touchdowns, one pick. As it stands, Kennedy currently at twenty-two. Uh, according to the playoff index at three and five here Uh, there are only 16 playoff spots by the way in 3a so just keep that in mind now kennedy they have lutheran and a holy family left they have to win at least one of these games one of these two games if they want to make the playoffs lutheran is at three holy family is at five if you want to get in you got to beat one of those squads if you lose to both then you're not going to make it in my opinion so there you go Um, And if by some miracle they beat both, which is really hard to do, well, shoot, then, yeah, they should have a playoff spot. That's pretty big time, so there you go. Durango versus Eagle Valley. Durango wins 62-8. Jesus Christ. Tyler Harms, 7-8, of 223 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns, 15 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown. Extremely efficient season. Another extremely efficient game here. Uh, But you got to shout out the run game. Jarek Baruch and Zachary Haber each had 2 rushing touchdowns as they helped um you know in this winning effort here durango is currently at number two pulling number 14 palisade to end the season so durango will actually have a week off right before the 3a playoff start here and so winning or losing this last game really shouldn't affect their season too much um uh, i don't think they're gonna pull starters and rest guys since they already have a bye week But, you know, we'll see what happens. Like I said, this game isn't as important for Durango as it is for Palisade here. So there you go. Um, But, yeah, Durango basically a lock for the playoffs and for a high seed in the playoffs as well. Now, speaking of high seeds here, we got Northridge versus Thompson Valley. Northridge trying to bounce back from a loss to number one Roosevelt. And that's what they do as they bounce back with a 24-14 win here. Northridge is currently at six according to the index and they play resurrection christian who is at eight beating resurrection christian will help solidify their spot as a top seed in the playoffs so there you go if they lose them it's not like they're gonna fall out of the playoffs there Uh, but northridge does play severance who is at 21 and if severance beats northridge then northridge won't I mean i don't think they'll fall out of the playoffs but severance will have a better chance at there so regardless northridge needs to stay locked in in order to beat these teams uh because that would really help them move up here move up and get a better seed so there you go thompson valley on the other hand they are currently number 10 according to the seeding index and they have roosevelt and resurrection christian to end the season uh wouldn't exactly say they're favored in either game but I don't think losing either game should kick them out of the playoffs, though. You would like to win one, though, to definitely secure kind of a higher seed than what they would have if they lost both games. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on, though, we've got Pueblo Central versus Lewis Palmer. Uh, Central wins 39-8. to Michael Montoya, 170 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. As it stands today, according to the index, Pueblo Central is currently at number 16 in the index uh and they pull number 19 Harrison um this next week and so that's gonna be a big game here if Pueblo Central loses to Harrison uh they might not make or oh, I don't think they'll make the playoffs here um the last game other than Harrison they have is Pueblo South but Pueblo South is way out of the playoff picture so there you go so really Pueblo Central can't afford to lose to either Harrison or South if they want to make the playoffs Harrison, I mean, they're gonna be hungry. You know, they know this next week they have to win if they want to get in. So that's just what it is. Um, clean and simple there. Moving on though, we got Denver North versus Frederick here. Frederick wins 57 to 21. Frederick number nine in the playoff index here, with number 17 Meade and number 13 George Washington to end the season. They probably shouldn't drop out of the playoffs. If they lose to both teams at this point. But. You know. Both teams will definitely be gunning for them. As they want to move up here. Especially Mead, If Meade wants to make the playoffs. They gotta beat Frederick. And if they beat him. I think they're basically in. Assuming they win their last game as well. Uh, George Washington. I don't think they're gonna drop out of the playoffs. But they would love to beat Frederick. To get a better seed here. So. There you go there. Um, Denver North. Though, they're currently at 31. Even though they got George Washington at 13 ahead of them here, they really shouldn't be able to make the playoffs. I think they're out of the picture. That's an ax in them. Um, so, yeah. Green Mountain, they play Wheat Ridge. They win 56-7. No surprises there. Zach Wallace, 71 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Green Mountain, they got Littleton and Skyview to end the season. Uh, a loss to either probably won't matter. As I think Green Mountain's pretty much a lock for the playoffs here. I mean, they're like a top five seed. I think right now they're currently at four. So there you go. Uh, Lutheran versus Northfield here. Lutheran blows out Northfield 57 to 7. and Kenny, 21 24, 312 passing yards, three touchdowns. Ryan Kenny, 56 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. And then Joe Ciccio, six receptions, 128 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. As it stands, Lutheran is currently at number three with Kennedy and Fort Morgan uh, left here. Both of those teams need to beat Lutheran more than Lutheran needs to beat those teams. But in my opinion, Lutheran is a lock for the playoffs. Northfield, on the other hand, is currently outside looking in at 20. They play Fort Morgan and Lincoln. Even if they beat both of those teams, it doesn't guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. They're going to need some magic to happen and uh, and they're going to need some teams to lose in front of them in order for them to make it. But for now, they got to take care of business. Um, so, there you go there. All right, Harrison versus Pablo South. Harrison wins 14-0. Kind of a close one here, but, you know, they still get the dub here. Carlos Preciado, 168 rushing yards. Maurice Martin, 51 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Jameson Taylor, he had a pick six in this game here. That would be the other touchdown for Harrison. Uh, so, here it is. Harrison, they're at number 19. They play Pueblo Central, who's at 15, and then Sierra to end the season. Um, They should beat Sierra. I can't remember the last time Harrison ever lost to Sierra, so there you go there. So I'm just going to assume that right off the bat. But to make the playoffs, you got to beat Pueblo Central. If you want any chance at the playoffs, this is the game that matters. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on, we have Evergreen versus Skyview. Evergreen uh, wins big, sixty-one to six. Tommy Paholsky goes crazy in this game. Twenty-nine of thirty-six for three hundred thirty-three passing yards, eight passing touchdowns. He has now broken a couple records here, and I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it right now. He's broken uh, the single season touchdown record uh previously had held by griffin Lauritano the quarterback before him so there you go there on top of that tommy now also holds the single game passing touchdowns record with eight passing touchdowns in this one and so congrats to tommy poholski he is obviously a playmaker of the week candidate here moving on though we got pueblo east versus mitchell and uh Pueblo East wins 83 0. That is the biggest deficit win all season. Win deficit? Whatever. That's the biggest win all season by any Colorado High School football team, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Zayden Steven, 6 of 7, for 196 passing yards, 4 touchdowns in this one. Um. Yeah, I mean, Mitchell was never going to make the playoffs. It was going to be a surprise if they won a game, so there you go. East did what they had to do to them in order to help their RPI rankings and uh, all that. And I don't blame them, so there you go. East, though, they're currently at 12, according to the index, with Discovery Canyon and Pueblo County to end the season. They really shouldn't lose either if They want to make the playoffs if they drop both of those games, then you know they might be on the bubble and things could get dangerous. But in my opinion, they should be at least one. So there you go. Moving on, though, we have Glenwood Springs versus Summit. Summit wins 26 to 13. Jack Shearholz 127, uh, yeah, 127 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. He won 16 of 18 for 140 passing yards as well. Definitely a Playmaker of the Week candidate. So, there you go. That's a big dub for them. Summit is now 7, according to the index, with Battle Mountain and Eagle Valley ahead of them, who are both out of the playoff picture. And so, as of right now, Summit should basically be a lock for the playoffs, assuming they win. Uh, So, there you go. Glenwood Springs, they're currently 4-4, and but they're at 16. They have the last spot in the playoffs here. They play Eagle Valley and then number 14, Palisade. Uh, Glenwood Springs can't lose to Eagle Valley if they want to make the playoffs. And if they beat Palisade, then I think they're a lock for the playoffs. But they definitely have teams like Meade, Conifer, Harrison, and Northfield who are all vying for that last spot. And so Glenwood Springs, just to be safe, I would go ahead and win these last two games here. Make that a big point. So there you go. Moving on to 2A football, we got the Academy versus Berthoud. Academy wins 21-7. Isaiah Elliott, 13 of 17, 166 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. They'd have 80 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. The Academy is currently at 5, and Eden is the last game that they play who's ahead of them at 3. That's going to be the league championship. If they beat Eden, they'll obviously move up for a better spot in the playoffs. If they lose, they're still going to make the playoffs. Berthoud, on the other hand, they're currently at 15 here with number 21 Steamboat Springs left. Sorry, Steamboat Springs left. Berthoud, you can't lose to Steamboat Springs. If you want to make the playoffs, beat them, take care of business, and move on here. If you lose to them, they might slide out of the playoff race, and that's where things will get interesting. So don't make it interesting, just win, right? University versus Brush. University wins 27 to 14, and they've won their league with that win. Uh, they do play Sterling here to end the season, but they should beat them. So there you go. Uh, Cole Crossett, 7 of 16, 133 passing yards, two touchdowns and one pick, 143 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. Great job there. Uh, University, As it stands, they're currently at number 11. Like I said, they play Sterling. Shouldn't lose to them, and so they're basically a lock for the playoffs here. Brush, on the other hand, they really needed that win to make the playoffs. They're currently on the outside looking in at 19. They play Denver West. And, I mean, they're going to beat him, I'm pretty sure. But they absolutely need other teams in front of them to lose in order for them to make it. Uh, but if they lose to Denver West, then they're, then they're not making the playoffs. So there you go there. Still, they got to take care of business. TCA versus Ken Denver. TCA wins 49-7. Uh, Andrew Brown, the sophomore quarterback, goes 10 of 12, 213 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, a rare TCA passing game here. TCA is currently number one in the state in two-way with Elizabeth left. That'll basically be for the league championship. Even if they lost to Elizabeth, though, they should still make the playoffs as a high seed. Um, Grand Ver- uh, Grand Valley, excuse me, versus Rifle. Rifle, they go ahead and beat them 48-0. to zero. Rifle is at 10 with Cole Ridge left, but regardless, they're locked for the playoffs. Even if they lost to Coleridge, I don't think they'll slide that much out of the playoff race here. Uh, Florence versus Alamosa. This was a big game that would decide a lot of seating here. Florence would win 42 to 20. Levi Paxton, a playmaker of the week candidate, eight of 17, 170 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 73 rushing yards. Lincoln Nix, geez, 187 rushing yards, six rush or sorry, six tackles on defense as well. Uh, Gage Gadal, 3 receptions, 82 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns. Also snagged an interception there. Like I said, as Florence defeats Alamosa 42-20. to uh, Florence is currently number 4 according to the index. And they'll play number 16 La Junta to end the season. Uh, Florence should make the playoffs regardless. But this game matters more for La Hunta. If La Junta gets blown out by Florence, then La Junta might not make the playoffs here. So we'll see there. Florence has the, they you know they have the potential to bounce them out from the playoffs. Just depends how they play this last game here. So we'll see about that one. That one definitely matters more for LaHanta than Florence, uh, who's a lock for the playoffs. Florence that is. Bennett versus Valley. Bennett wins fifty-two to twelve. Connor Rayburn two hundred thirty-seven rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns here. Uh, Bennett, as of right now, is currently on the outside looking in. They're at seventeen. And they play Wellington left, who's not in the playoff picture. For them to make the playoffs, they not only need to win big against Wellington, but they need Florence to blow out La Junta here. Um, And I'm sure a couple other teams losing won't hurt their chances either. So there you go there. Steamboat Springs versus Fort Lupton. Fort Lupton wins. uh, Kind of a shootout here, 52 to 35. Will Alvarado, playmaker of the week candidate, he won 15 of 27, 245 passing yards. Four passing touchdowns, 68 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown for Lupton, as it stands, currently sits at 24. And if they want to make the playoffs, they have to beat Faith Christian. That's part one. Part two is hoping that the right teams in front of them lose, even then that might not be enough. Uh, steamboat springs on the other hand they are at 21 they play number 15 birthed uh, they have to win that game if they want a chance at the playoffs um, but even if they win big and all that that might not be enough for them to make it straight out they're gonna need teams in front of them to lose but like i said part one is beating birthed so there you go there Delta Bayfield. Delta they win 48 to six. Tyreed returns here, four of seven, 116 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Uh, running game went crazy by the way. They ran for a combined 260 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. Uh, Delta, as it stands, currently is sitting at number two. They play number 13 Montezuma Cortez. Then the season, both teams should make the playoffs regardless of who wins or loses. Uh Willen Park versus Lamar. Willen Park wins another close one. 18 to 16. Aiden Hernandez rushed for 195 rushing yards. Two rushing touchdowns on 32 carries. Uh, the defense played really well here. They had two sacks and four interceptions here. Woollen Park to end the season. Um, well, right now Woodland Park is at number nine. They'll play number eight alamos to end the season. They are basically a lock for the playoffs no matter what happens. So there you go. Salida. Uh, they play Pagosa Springs and Pagosa Springs wins 33 to 14. Pagosa is currently at 18, uh, according to the index, with Bayfield left here. While Salida's season is basically over here. From the way things look, they are on the outside looking in. Not only do they need to win big against Bayfield, but they need to have a couple of teams lose, including Bennett and La Junta. If both of those teams lose, then that will be a good chance for them to make the playoffs. Not a guarantee, though. Moffitt County versus Aspen. Moffitt wins 60-14. to 14. Evan Atkin uh, back in his groove. 246 rushing yards, 5 rushing touchdowns on 8 carries. That means over half of his carries went for touchdowns. Absolutely ballistic there. Uh, Moffitt currently sitting at 14. According to the index, they play Grand Valley next. Should be a lock for the playoffs, but for if any reason they lose to Grand Valley, they may slide. I don't think they will, though. So, there you go. Englewood versus Denver West. Englewood wins 14-12. Um, well, neither team should make the playoffs. I'm going to be honest. Uh, that's just how it is at this point. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. LaHunta versus Manitou Two Springs. LaHunta wins big, 42-6. to LaHunta is currently at 16. They got Florence left. And they got to compete in order to make the playoffs here. You know, if you get blown out and you're LaHunta... I mean you just cannot afford that. So there you go. Manitou Springs unfortunately is out of the playoff race with that loss here. Basalt versus Cole Ridge. Basalt wins for uh, 57 to 13. Cooper Crawford, 186 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Basalt is currently at six with aspen left, who they should beat. Regardless though, I think basalt's a lock for the playoffs here. Uh, moving on to 1A, we got Strasburg versus Jefferson, nothing crazy, Strasburg uh, blows them out 63-14, Zach Morero, 114 yards, two rushing touchdowns, Strasburg a lock for the playoffs, um, even if they would lose to Platte Canyon, which I don't think they will, they should make the playoffs, so there you go um jefferson wasn't gonna make the playoffs anyways <laughs> oh man that was disrespectful but it is what it is montavista though they play center uh montavista stays undefeated winning 62 to 19 d'angelo archuleta 165 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns 135 or 34 yard receiving touchdown in this dub here to end the season montavista plays number eight uh, centauri by the way Montevista's number seven that's gonna be for the league t- title and other than that that really shouldn't affect the playoff picture too much here both teams are locks for the playoffs lyman versus wiggins lyman wins this one 34 to 14 gabe schubarth a playmaker of the week candidate 186 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns he also had 10 tackles and a pick in this game Jordan Rockwell played well, six of nine, nice for 127 passing yards and a passing touchdown. Also had 28 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, the Lyman defense, by the way, had five interceptions. Jesus Christ. As they blow out Wiggins here. Lyman at one plays number six, Yuma, to end the season. No matter how that game goes, both teams should make the playoffs. There you go. Wiggins, they're currently at five, they play three. Same deal. Both teams should make the playoffs no matter what, though. Should be a good test uh for both of these teams, for all four of these teams here though. Centauri, they play Ignacio and they blow them out 41 to 8. Centauri is currently at 8. They play Monte Vista uh here for that league, uh, who's currently sitting at seven. Both should make the playoffs. Yuma played Holyoke. This was the game Cody wanted to go to but could not because he was sick and it was a shame because Holyoke would upset Yuma 21 to 17. Uh, Yuma pulls Lyman to end the season but like I said that game really shouldn't matter both of them are locked in for the playoffs Holyoke on the other hand they really needed that quality win and they got it and so that solidifies themselves in the playoffs Uh, Holyoke is sitting at 11 according to the index and they play number 15 Burlington left Holyoke should make the playoffs regardless of whether they win or lose So there you go there Uh, Ray They play Burlington, and Ray defeats them 27-7. Samuel Meisner's 93 rushing yards, one touchdown. Brady Collins, 113 receiving yards, I believe, and one receiving touchdown. Ray, at this point, is a lock for the playoffs, whether they beat Wiggins or not. There you go. Burlington, though, they're currently at 2-6 and are 15th, according to the playoff index, with a matchup with Holyoke, who's at 11. Depending on how this game goes... Burlington just can't lose by too much or they might slip out of the playoffs Um, and a team with a winning record might take their spot and so this game is more important to Burlington than it should be to Holyoke there and so uh, if they beat Holyoke that's good for them that secures them a spot if they lose they just can't lose by a lot here so there you go they're playing with fire anyways if they do Buena Vista Olaf BV as you could tell or as you could probably assume here wins 56 to 8 here BV they played number 21 seed originally in the season no matter what they're basically a lock for the playoffs. Gunnison versus North Fork. North Fork upsets them and beats Gunnison 21-13. Gunnison will make the playoffs they're at number 10. Uh, they don't have any more games for this regular season they have one week before the playoffs and so just like that Gunnison should be a lock here. For the playoffs. North Fork, on the other hand, they needed that dub. They are now at 13, according to the index, and they play Roaring Fork at the end of the season. Assuming they take care of business, they should be good here and should make the playoffs. So there you go there. Those are your Friday night football games. Let me go ahead and pass it off to Gideon, who will talk about Flatirons Academy versus Highland. That's a big playoff implication game. And then I will talk about Thunder Ridge versus Valor Christian. I got some strong opinions about Thunder Ridge, so make sure you stay uh, for after that recap there.
0: Hello again, beautiful people. Gideon here to dish out another piping hot recap. Today, I have for you what is honestly the best game I have watched all year. That being Irons Academy versus Highland High School. This game was well-officiated, fast-paced, and a defensive slugfest, and honestly had the best environments I've been in to watch any game this year. Thank you to the people of ALT. It was full of guys playing both ways, grit, hustle, and a dude wearing a cast on his arm the whole time. It was both Highlands homecoming and their senior night, and whichever team won has an extremely good chance at winning one of the final 1A playoff spots. Now. On to the recap, starting with the Highland Huskies. Highland started this one on defense, where Iris Sittner had a kickoff that went about 40 yards, followed by Tyler Vara getting a tackle. Highland had a group tackle, followed by Shane Zverek Jr. getting one of his own. DeAndre DeHoyos, Brogan Palmer, and number 24 shared a tackle, and after some good D, Wyatt Woods, who, might I add, was wearing a cast due to a broken metacarpal in his Blocked the Punt on the 35. Isaac DeSantiago ran for seven, but on an honestly nothing set of downs that resulted in fourth and six, Highland went for it and threw an interception. On D, on the first play, they almost allowed a 75-yard touchdown, but blocking in the backfield brought it back. Woods and Carter Jennings shared a tackle, and then Jennings got a solo on a run. Highland got pushed back to the two, but then Hunter Dyer-Lopez and Josh Delaney shared a tackle for loss on the three. Sittner then got a tackle to force a turnover on Downs. DeSantiago ran three straight plays, and after some arguing from an O on their own nine, DeSantiago punted, which went for 40. Half of the defense shared a tackle, followed by Jennings and Sittner sharing one of their own. Palmer got a sack, which helped to force a punt, which was returned by De Hoyos for 15. De Hoyos, by the way, snatched a kid's soul out from him with a juke on that play. QB John Bingley then ran to end the quarter, tied 0-0. The very first play of the second quarter, De Santiago took it to the house for a 75-yard tuddy. He had me sprinting down the sideline to get footage of the conversion attempt, which unfortunately failed, but Highland was up 6-0 with 11.51 to go in the first half. The kickoff by Sittner went 45, followed by Jennings getting a tackle. Delaney saved a cut and go that would have been a touchdown with a tackle, and then the Highland defense forced two fumbles in the red zone, the second of which was recovered by Sittner. The first half red zone defense by Highland was honestly the best that I've seen all year. However, after a tackle for loss and two straight incompletions, the Highland O got bailed out by a pass interference call. DeSantiago ran for three, but after an incompletion, DeSantiago had to punt on fourth and fifteen, which traveled 40 yards. Dante Palmer and Woods shared a sack, and then Brogan Palmer and Woods got another sack on the very next play. After a horse-collar penalty, De Hoyos and Vara shared a tackle, with Brogan Palmer getting one moments after. Junior Arquiz got a tackle, which forced a 35-yard field goal, which made it 6-3 with about 1.46 to go in the second frame. De Santiago then had another hot start, running for 65 yards on the first play of this drive as well. Highland took a timeout with 1.11 left, followed by De Hoyos running for three. Bingley got a first down, and then the Huskies called their second timeout with 35 seconds left on the clock. Bingley ran for 10, which got it to the 1-yard line with 25.3 on the board, where Highland called their final timeout of the half. Bingley then pushed through for the touchdown through contact, and DeSantiago ran in the conversion to make it 14-3 with 20 seconds left. Broken Palmer almost deflected a pass, and Jennings got a tackle to close the first half. On one of the opening runs of the third quarter, a key piece of both the offensive and defensive line, 5'11", 250-pound freshman Noah Falagradi, injured his ankle and was unable to return to the game. Fingers crossed for a speedy recovery, Noah. This changed the fundamental pace of this game. After this, there was a fumble that got turned over. Woods got a tackle for loss, and then Jennings got a tackle, and on a fourth down conversion attempt, Palmer got a deflection that forced a turnover on downs. After a false start, the Huskies were looking at third and 10. DeSantiago ran for four and then punted the Rock 40 yards. Jennings got a tackle, followed by Sittner, Palmer, and Woods, all sharing a sack. Not wanting to miss out, Jennings shared a sack with Sittner on the very next play. Jennings got a tackle, followed by Delaney. Highland then allowed a TD and a conversion with 1:10 left, which made it only 14-11. This basically ended the third quarter in alt. Opening the fourth, Bingley threw to Spirac Jr. for 10, but then DeSantiago had to punt on fourth and four, which went out at the 44. Jennings and Sittner shared a tackle, which was followed by a timeout with 8 minutes, 20 seconds left in the contest. Dyer Lopez got a sack, and pressure by Brogan Palmer helped DeSantiago get a deflection that helped save a touchdown. This forced a fourth and 25. After getting the punt, DeSantiago ran for six, and then Delaney ran for a first down. Bingley ran for six, and on third and four, he scrambled for a first down of his own. DeSantiago carried the rock 25 yards, but then unfortunately there was a fumble. De Hoyos got a tackle, followed by Brogan Palmer, slowing down the QB scramble enough for Jennings to be able to push out the run. A potential interception by Bingley bounced off of his chest, but it was a deflection regardless. De Santiago then had a pick bounce off of his hands, but it was still a deflection. This forced a turnover on downs, but on the very first play of this offensive set, the offense fumbled with 1.31 to go in the game. They had a pass interference on third and 15, but Dyer Lopez had a tackle. Palmer got a deflection, and Vara and Sittner shared a tackle. This defense helped to force the Bison to take a 45-yard field goal, which was made, tying it at 14 with 22 seconds left. De Hoyos returned the kickoff for 15 yards, but slipped. De Santiago carried it for short, but they decided not to risk it and go into OT tied at 14. Seeing as how this is my first overtime game of the season, and this is my segment, I'm going to make the rules here. In order to not spoil anything, because this one does go down to the wire, I am just going to summarize that at the end of the Flatirons Academy segment. However. Now we will go on to the defensive playmaker of the game. Let me just say that Highland made it extremely difficult for me to choose defensive playmaker of the game this week because they had four guys that could have been reasonably chosen. But my gut picks out of the four of Palmer, Sittner, Jennings, and Woods, broken Palmer, and Wyatt Woods. So Wyatt Woods blocked a punt, got a couple sacks got a baker's dozen worth of tackles and all around had a great night additionally the 5 foot 11 275 pound junior did all of this once more with a cast on his arm because he has a broken metacarpal in his hand i i don't know about you but that is really cool that he was able to do all that and i was kind of asking myself the entire game if he was even allowed to do that Regardless, it is really, really cool. Now, on to Broken Palmer. Broken Palmer is the second-best freshman that I have seen play all year behind Tanner Gray, and that is saying a lot. He got a sack, a handful of deflections, and managed to get a lot of hurries that turned into losses for the Bison offense. He is 6'3 and two hundred. Pounds, and he has menaced to society on hall of Fame. i just tried to do a lot of weights and go to camps says palmer i'm going to try to help motivate the guys going into next week and hope that things go right in other games across the state the offensive playmaker of the game for the highland huskies is john bingley bingley is a good quarterback in as run heavy of an offense as highland had bingley was a good decision maker He threw when he could, and he was fairly accurate. He's also solid on the ground, shown by his rushing for first downs and his touchdown. He will be a pivotal piece for Highland next year, being at the helm of the offense. Now for the playmaker of the game for Highland, Isaac DeSantiago. DeSantiago is a damn good player. He's fast, strong, and he's got a good heart. I talked with him after the game, and despite his touchdown, his conversion, and his defense, he took it all on himself. He didn't try to shift accountability, and he held his head high. De Santiago is a good leader for this team. His speed and strength are great, but he has a spirit you can't teach. I believe in my team, all 11 players, to do their job right. To prepare myself, I say what I'm going to do over and over. I have to have confidence in myself my team, and the amazing coaches I have. It gives the confidence to do that for trusting me to run and make plays. Now, on to Flatirons Academy. Here's the thing. I have seen Flatirons Academy play before, and I know that they are tough. I was at the Spring Championship in 2021. As previously mentioned on the show, I'm a Manitou alum and I have seen how they play, especially when their backs are against the wall. Now, only about 25% of the current roster has players from that championship run, but they still carry that passion. Now, on to the first quarter. Flatiron started this game with possession, and Michael Kingery, their main kick returner, brought it back for 15 yards. After a flag, Devin Glowicki ran for two, and then QB Nolan Shepard carried the ball for a first down. Glowicki ran for five, but a pitch was almost fumbled and led to a loss of four. Shepard threw an eight yard pass, but it wasn't enough as they had to punt. However, the punt got blocked. Glowicki had a tackle, followed by Steven Osterman getting a tackle for loss. Elijah Rubel then caught a textbook interception to put the Bison back on offense. On the very first play, Shepard ran for a 75-yard touchdown. That was called back due to blocking in the backfield. For some reason, especially in the first half, Flatirons could not get the ball into the goal, exemplified by turnover on downs on the one-yard line. Glowicki got a tackle, and this helped in a quick set of downs to force a punt. Glowicki recovered the punt and took it 10 yards. After two bad runs, the Bison were facing a third and nine, but after a holding call and an allowed sack, Jonah Elstad was forced to punt, which went 40. Sean Osterman then got a tackle to close the first period of play, tied 0-0. The first play of the second, the Bison allowed another 75-yard touchdown, which wasn't great. They did, however, manage to stop the bleeding by tackling out the conversion attempt. This only had Flatirons down 0-6 with 11.51 in the second. Kingery took the kickoff 15 yards and then Glowicki ran for 5, followed by Shepard going for a first down. Shepard then repeated and went for 12. Glowicki then decided to say screw it and ran for 30. On the next play, there was a fumble, but it was recovered by Shepard. Glowicki got eight yards, but a fumble lost it. Sean Osterman got a tackle for loss, and Glowicki almost got a pick, but pass interference made it so that his effort was mute. Rex Beck had some really good anticipation, and honestly looked like Troy Polamalu for a second, and got a tackle for loss, which combined with good pressure by Jackson Hankst helped force a turnover on downs. Kingery ran it for 20, but bad work by the O-line led to a sack. Kingry then got it 6 more yards, followed by his receiving a pass from Shepard for 12. Glowicki ran for 7, but on the next play he tripped on what could have been a touchdown. Elstad then took a 35-yard field goal and hit it with 146 to go in the half, making it 3-6. Elstad's kickoff was then a touchback. However, on the play following the kickoff, Flatirons allowed a 65-yard run, which was almost a touchdown. From here, they were allowing runs like it was going out of style, which may be due to the runs not being used in most 2-minute drills that you would practice against. The Bison managed to stop the run on the 1-yard line, but allowed a QB sneak to get through, and they failed to stop the conversion with 20 seconds left in the half, making it 3-14. Kingery returned the kickoff for 10, and after a long incompletion, Glowicki ran for one to close the half. Elstad's kickoff that opened the second half was once more a touchback, and Glowicki started things on D with a tackle. This tackle forced a fumble, which was recovered by Glowicki. Glowicki ran for eight, and then Shepard threw to Rubel for a first down, but then after some illegal motion, the Bisons were faced with a fourth and eleven. They went for it, but the play resulted in a turnover on downs. They managed to force a punt with really solid defense, which helped put them back on O. Shepard ran for 8, followed by Glowicki carrying the rock for 3. The O-line allowed a sack, and then they allowed another sack. However, on 3rd and 17, Glowicki managed to get the ball 40 yards, and then for 5 more. Shepard carried it 4, and then on 3rd and 1, they managed to lure an encroachment call. This made it 1st and 10 on the eleven. Glowicki ran for six and then once more for the tutty. Shepard then ran in the conversion, making it 11-14 with 1-10 left in the 3rd quarter. Elstad's kickoff was a touchback, and Ryan Coulter got a tackle for loss. Kingry and Glowicki then shared a tackle to end the 3rd quarter. To open the 4th, Flatirons played good D to force a punt. Shepard got a 13, then Glowicki for six. Shepard and Glowicki then alternated running plays for 42 combined yards but two different holding calls on the last run made it a 1st and 20. They allowed a sack and after an incompletion had to face 3rd and 27. For some reason they decided to say screw it and run on 3rd and 27. As one would expect from a play like that, it did not work so they punted. The punt did not make it to the original line of scrimmage. Stephen Osterman had a tackle on D, followed by Glowicki. Parker Wilson and Coulter shared a tackle, but they then allowed a first down scramble. They then allowed a long run, but on the next play, the Bison defense forced a fumble, which was covered by Hankst. Shepard passed to Noah Evans for eight, then to Judah Burgess for a first down. Shepard had to scramble, but was tackled for loss. Glowicki then made an 18-yard catch, which was followed by a timeout with 2.11 left. Shepard ran for seven and almost threw an interception. Glowicki slipped, which resulted in an incompletion. Flatirons went for it on fourth and three, but the pass went well over Glowicki, resulting in a turnover on downs. On the next play, they forced a fumble, which was recovered by Josiah Darill. An incompletion put things in jeopardy, but Glowicki was doubled and was fouled on a potential catch. This pass interference made it first down but after a false start and holding on a first down scramble run, everything was in purgatory. On second and 25, Glowicki ran for 12, and then for four to make it fourth and nine on the 35. Elstad came out, and while they called a timeout to make sure that everything was all right, I learned that his max is 50 yards, meaning that this was a makeable kick for him, with it being 45 yards. After a timeout with 28 seconds left, Elstad put the kick through the uprights and tied the game 14 to 14. It went into OT. Flatirons decided to start on offense and Highland could not stop Devin Glowicki as he ran for three straight downs. The third down was a tutty despite being tackled by John Bingley and DeAndre De Hoyos. Jonah Elstad hit the PAT and Flatirons was up 21-14 over Highland. With Highland now on offense, Isaac de Santiago ran a couple of times but the Bison defense was smothering. Bingley drew back on the next play saw a hole, and ran down the sideline. As he was being chased by Parker Wilson, Bingley threw to what he thought was an open Shane Spierak Jr. who was in the end zone, but Elijah Rubel picked it off and carried it out. And that was game. The defensive playmaker of the game was Elijah Rubel. Rubel was a constant threat at DB and made his present most felt when he made both of his interceptions. With his second, Rubel may have sent With his second, Ruble may have sent Flatirons Academy to the playoffs if the chips fall right next week. This game shows what we can do, says Ruble. We can stay together. The game winner was a team play. Working as a team gives us the opportunity to make those type of plays. Offensive player of the game. The co-offensive playmakers of the game go to Nolan Shepard and Jonah Elstad. Shepard was the captain of the offense, orchestrating a momentous comeback to potentially put Flatirons in the playoffs. His conversion, long throws, and rushing ability combined with leadership made him hard to stop. I don't think there's much to prepare for. We work on hustle, effort, attitude, and toughness, says Shepard. I credit their defense because running the offense was really difficult tonight. Win or lose, it's 110% from every guy. A win is no surprise to us, because we've got heart. Shepard also thanked Elstad, who he called the best kicker in the state. Elstad is certainly up there. His two field goals were key to keeping flat irons in this game, and especially for guys on the 1A level, it is rare to see someone able to bang it in from 45 yards out. Elstad is committed to Colorado Mesa University for soccer, and he says that His routine for kicking is that, quote, I go to God, thank him for the opportunity to be in this situation, and I say to myself, I'm put this through. The playmaker of the game for the Flatirons Academy Bison is Devin Glowicki. The overall player of the game is Glowicki. He ran for the only Bison touchdown of the game, probably had between 15 to 20 tackles, and went for well over 120 yards in the night. had to guess it's closer to 150. Nobody could stop him and in the end the Huskies had to double him to slow him down and he was still effective. There was not much that was going to stop Devin Glowicki in this one. We never gave up. This was our biggest game and we were not ready for it to be over. If we lost, this season was basically over. Everyone listens to leadership, you just have to provide it. In summary, this game was absolutely bonkers. It was the most exciting game I've seen all year, and it had actual stakes. While the playoffs will be officially determined after next week, the picture is being painted now, and this game was one of the final touches. There is a world where one or both teams make it. There's another world where neither do. However, regardless of the result, one cannot say that either team failed. They both played incredible football, and they played it the right way. Moving forward, Highland is only losing three seniors, and with how close they are to the playoffs this year, I'm betting they will be a home seed in the playoffs next year. With DeSantiago, Bingley, Woods, and Brogan Palmer, they'll be in darn good shape. They are really fun to watch. And while Flatirons is losing Elstad, Rupel, Shepard, and Glowicki at the end of this year, I am certain that with the peripheral pieces I saw around them tonight, that they will have a heck of a year next year. The now 3 and 5 Highland Huskies will take on the 4 and 4 Manual Thunderbolts next week. And depending on that and the outcome of the Flatirons Estes Park game, we'll see if they are able to make the playoffs. As mentioned there, Flatirons Academy, now 6-2, will face the 7-1 Estes Park in the League Championship. Based on how that goes, we'll see how the playoffs look. Thank you all for listening. Best of luck to Flatirons Academy and Highland in the rest of your seasons. And I'll see y'all next week for Pooter vs. Fossil Ridge. Peace.
1: Alright, let's go ahead and talk about Thunder Ridge vs. Valor Christian game from october 21st 2022 obviously this one would basically be for league if thunder ridge won this game basically they would have won league at this point valor christian you know they beat rock canyon and then they play mountain wrist after this this would go a long way in valor winning league and obviously you got rankings as well uh valor christian is definitely more so in the top five they'll probably have a buy thunder ridge They kind of need to win this one to keep their buy-in. So, let's go ahead and jump into it and talk about this great matchup here. Alright, so Valor Christian, they start with the ball here. And they are definitely trying to run it. Um, A couple plays in, it brings up a 4th and 2 situation here. You know, after Gabe Sawchuk run. And a short pass to number 2. That is Jake Krekler here. And so, here we go. Fourth down, Valor decides to go for it. They run it with Gabe Sawchuck, but this Thunder Ridge defense came to play and they go ahead and stuff him short as Thunder Ridge takes over on the 44 yard line here with about nine minutes left in the first. But basically, on this, I want to say it was the second play of this drive, Cooper Care for Thunder Ridge. He, he kind of sees the out route late. I mean, it's not really there. Plus, it wasn't a good ball either. And so, this ball is easily picked off by Jackson Oriole. And he almost, he almost houses this one, but is eventually tracked down and stopped. And so, here we go. Valor, they have the ball back. This time, they're on the five-yard line. With about 8 minutes, 21 seconds left here in the first. And they go ahead and take advantage of that great turnover in return. As Asher Weiner, the three-star Valor quarterback, Jr., by the way, goes ahead and punches this one in. Spins out of a tackle and puts Valor up 7-0 to zero after the PAT. Just like that. With 8 minutes, 17 seconds left in the first. Now, Thunder Ridge not to be outdone quite yet. They go ahead and return this kick. It's number 21, Jake Young, I believe, who goes ahead and grabs this kick uh, kick on the kick return. And he returns it, it looks like 100 yards for a touchdown to go ahead and tie this game and get the crowd back into this one. And so it is 7-7. Some early fireworks here. But still only 8 minutes left here in the first quarter now valor christian they take over get a solid return they're back on the 31 yard line here this thunderidge defense they are definitely challenging them um asher weiner he goes ahead and drops back here on third and 12 here has an open receiver on the post route but a great play by jake young the cornerback he goes ahead and deflects that ball and brings up a three and out for valor and so they go ahead and punts it back to Thunder Ridge now Thunder Ridge they get a solid return and they get it um to start on the 45 pass midfield wasn't a good putt either so there you go two plays after that you know after a Cole Hanchett run and Cooper Kier run Thunder Ridge takes its first time out of the half and so here we go it's starting 5 we they're trying to extend this drive here. the call pass play Cooper Kier. uh he Begins to feel the pressure, so he scrambles a little early here up the middle. And he is obviously stopped there. And so, it's fourth down. Thunderidge, they feel like they gotta go for it here. And they do. They call a screen. But the screen call is just i mean it's just thrown late it's thrown really late it looks out of sync and valor easily blows that up they they kill this receiver on this one and they go ahead and take over on downs um valor actually on the 39 with about four minutes and 11 seconds left here in the first here and so here's how that goes down You know they find themselves in a third and three situation Uh, they go ahead and uh, call a pass play Asher Weiner zipping it to number nine that is Drake Jake Dragu I want to say and this is a great ball here and obviously number nine makes the great catch here and they go ahead and complete this one for a first down for about ten yards couple plays later it is third and four again doesn't matter Asher Weiner. He goes ahead and he scrambles here. Runs over a defender. Jeez. And it gets a nice 15 plus yard gain. And the first down. Again, Um, and on top of that, they're on the 18 here in the red zone. And then to top off this drive, it's Asher Weiner who goes ahead and finishes this one after keeping this drive alive um, with some key plays on this one. And he just runs right up the middle, reaches out for a touchdown, and he gets in, taking a pretty dominant. 14-7 to lead here with about a minute left here in the first quarter. So a great drive. uh, Really powered by Asher Weiner, the three-star quarterback, just making plays against a talented Thunder Ridge defense. So here we go. Thunder Ridge, they have the ball with about a minute left in the first quarter. They take over on the 23-yard line, but they're not – Getting a lot here as they try to run the ball here. Uh, I believe Cole Hanchett, that is uh, number 7. He gets blown up on one play. Tackled by a bunch of Valor Eagles led by Alex Jordan. Um, Just got offered by the University of Northern Colorado, by the way. So that brings up second and 12. And then Thunder Ridge, they try to run a jet sweep here. But doesn't matter as Brooks Peterson of Valor Christian goes ahead and flips over that player, and that goes for a loss as well, ending the quarter. And so to start the second quarter, it is third and 15 for Thunder Ridge here, and Thunder Ridge. I mean, you know they have to call pass play, they do, but Cooper Care takes a he takes too much time here, and Rowdy Beers, I want to say of Valor Christian, goes ahead and sacks him and kills that drive. That is a tough three and out here but before Thunder Ridge could punt it you know the snap unfortunately goes over the punter's head and out the uh back of the end zone here and so that's a safety and so Valor already you know with a big with a seven point lead makes it a nine point lead with that safety leading 16 to 7 and getting the ball back with about 11 minutes 17 seconds left and they go ahead and take over here on the 45 yard line but you know, this Thunder Ridge defense, they try their best to keep Thunder Ridge in this game here. And they go ahead and force a three and out here. Uh, Will Fisher, I want to say, made a big time tackle here on third down to go ahead and bring up fourth and 12. And uh, go ahead and, you know, force another punt here. And so after the punt, Thunder Ridge, they take over on the 13 yard line. Um, and part of that is because they had a bad block in the back penalty thrown on them. Um, not, not a bad penalty, but just a bad, I mean, you can't have that if you're Thunder Ridge playing against a team like Valorant. So here we go. Uh, Thunder Ridge uh, tries to call the screen. The ball is late again. And so it's blown up for loss at second and 13. Then they throw it to the flap. It doesn't matter. The corner was definitely there for just sitting on it. And so that brings up third and 13. And then they tried to call another screenplay. And believe it or not, this though in timing is even worse than the last one on this drive. And it's almost intercepted by number 63 of Valor Christian here. But unfortunately, he drops it. And so Thunder Ridge goes three and out again for the second time this quarter. So there you go. And they punt it um and valor they take over on the 44 pass midfield here but unfortunately i mean valor they kind of hurt themselves on this drive i mean they do get a first down on a nice 10 plus yard run but then they get an illegal shift and then after that you know there's a holding penalty on valor and then to end the drive ethan hill of thunder ridge Goes ahead and gets a big time strip sack here. Which Thunder Ridge recovers on the 35 yard line. Ending another Valor drive. And once again you know Thunder Ridge they're trying to run the ball here. Uh, and they do find success on this one play here to Cole Hanchett. It's like an outside zone run here, and he eventually finds a crease and goes for about 10 yards. That's probably the longest run they had all night, to be honest with you. And so that's the first time putting them on the 47. Then they run it again. It's basically stuffed. Um, a couple plays later, it's third and seven here. And so the call pass play, Cooper Kier you know he has an open receiver on that route but unfortunately throws it five yards into the ground um not even close i mean had an open receiver but just not even close it's definitely incomplete and so it's fourth down thunderidge i mean they have to punt it but there is encroachment on valor making a more manageable fourth and two situation and um i i don't know if i agree with this coaching call but they decide to call a Fake pump, which was a direct snap to number 42 of Thunder Ridge. That is Will Fisher, I want to say. Uh, Thunder Ridge trying to catch Valor off guard, but uh, Valor was definitely ready for that as they go ahead and tackle him and Thunder Ridge is short. And so just like that, Valor takes over on the 45 with about six minutes left here in the this game but once again penalties on this drive kind of killed the vibes here for valor christian's offense they have an illegal block in the back penalty which makes it first and 18 um a couple plays later thunder ridge would actually get a pretty nice stop thanks to caleb keith and will fisher for the most part here but uh valor would actually call a direct snap on fourth and two trying to go for it and catch thunderidge off guard but uh, and they would have got the first down but they did call an illegal shift on valor and so that makes it fourth and seven and valor has to punt it once again penalties just killing them from taking a more dominant lead here now Thunder Ridge I mean they're not helping themselves either they take over on the 29 yard line but they have been struggling all game to get anything going on offense and so here we go they got four minutes left here in the half they want to get something and so uh (laughs) unfortunately a couple plays later it's third and 11 after an overthrown swing route and the run is stuffed. And so third and 11, Cooper Kieran drops back. He finally throws a pretty good ball here to CJ Reese on a slant. That goes for about a first down and over 10 yards. Then number eight, uh, Alex Kambesis, I want to say. He gets a long 15-plus yard run. Uh, so, okay, my bad. That was actually the longest run of this game uh, for Thunder Ridge. And that actually crosses them across midfield and puts them on the 30 eight yard line um and a couple play well i'll play later it's second down and they dial up a pretty good route to richard okuno cooper here recognizes it he throws it to okuno but it was it's slightly overthrown and if he put it on the money it definitely would have been a touchdown and so here we go third and eight with about two minutes left here um they call a pass play cooper he kind of lofts it down the right sideline here It's not complete, but they go ahead and call P.I. on Valor Christian. And so that gives them a first down on the 21-yard line here. But once again, a couple plays later, a play later, it's second down here. Cooper Keir, you know, he is trying to extend the play, but he just holds on to this ball way too long here. And he just gets absolutely clobbered and lit up by number 50 Brody Bleak for a big time sack making it third and 19 and so here we go third and 19 the call pass play uh Cooper he throws the ball to his big six seven six six tight end and Zach Smith and he makes an excellent catch here just bodying the defender for this one but they do call an unsportsmanlike on Thunder Ridge so that takes away those yards and so it's fourth and 21 there's about 29 seconds left and running in this game and so I mean Thunder Ridge they're on the other side of the field I kind of figure here hey you know take a shot into the end zone get something right it's too long for a field goal for sure and so they call pass play Cooper Carey makes someone miss he scrambles left he has plenty of room to go ahead and set and throw um but he uh he does it for some reason and so instead of putting the ball in the end zone and throwing it he tries to scramble and he is just not aware of the situation here because you got to get something in I mean I don't know he wasn't gonna get the first down it's like fourth and 21 and so a bunch of valid defenders easily push him out of bounds and he's like 15 yards short or whatever. And um, yeah, Thunder Ridge comes away with nothing after using up a lot of the clock and having a lot of potential here. You know, and it's unfortunate. They had a couple receivers and one-on-one in the end zone and he just didn't take a shot. I'd rather have him throw the ball and throw a pick than run it and literally get nothing. I mean, he wasn't going to get the first down. And so Valor, they're pretty happy with that though. And so they go ahead and take that 16-7 lead here at halftime. Now, although it is to 16-7 here, Valor has to be feeling pretty good as they have dominated this offense on defense um, for for a minute now except for that one drive where, you know, they drove all the way down and then it became a 4th and 21 sitch. So they still stopped them anyways at the end of that half. Um, and then if you're Thunder Ridge, I mean, your defense is playing well. They're not allowing them to extend the lead like that. Uh, They haven't scored another touchdown yet. And so, you know, it could definitely go either way. But for now, I mean, Valor is leading. And, I mean, they're very comfortable with just running the ball here. And so, here we go. Thunder Ridge, they receive to start the third quarter. If they want to get back in it, they have to. And I mean, they have to go ahead and, I mean, score on this first drive. But just a lot goes wrong um they well first off they roll out and cooper throws it to gavin olshan who does get a first down so that's the first thing that goes right but after that a lot goes wrong they do call an illegal formation on thunder ridge um on a run but because the run didn't go well they decline it and make it second and 11 which is interesting there not a bad decision but definitely interesting uh, Thunder Ridge they try to run it up the middle obviously doesn't go anywhere easily stopped once again as this Valor Christian defense is just absolutely keying in on the run they're not allowing anything outside inside I mean they are they are locking up here and Thunder Ridge, I mean they're trying to throw the ball but this passing game is just so out of sync uh, here he throws the out route but it looks like it's dropped Kind of a tough throw, too. I mean, not the greatest, though. So, there you go. So, after one first down, Thunderidge has to punt it. Now, Valor Christian, you know, they don't get too much going here anyways. Um, a false start. And then a nice tackle for loss by Aiden Olshan. I believe that was on um, Gabe Sawchuk here. Goes ahead and kills this drive. And so, Valor is forced to punt it with about 8 minutes, 37 seconds left. Thunderidge though, they are not doing anything either. You know, I mean... they're trying to run it they're getting literally nothing they haven't gained a yard yet they're trying to throw it they're just so out of sync um so that there's that and so you know it's just i mean it's just not good it's just ugly offense and so once again thunder ridge goes three and out here not really getting anything on this drive. Now, Valerie, they get the ball back. They're on the 47 across midfield with about six minutes, 44 seconds left. You know, this is a pretty good spot to score in here. And so Asher Weiner actually takes a shot downfield, down the right sideline. He has a wide open receiver um, and he throws a pretty good ball here. You know, the safety uh, was caught lacking just a little bit here and couldn't quite get over to help. But you know the ball gets the receiver and it looks like the receiver drops it so that is tough that would be a um a touchdown that they would drop there doesn't matter though i mean they do get a first down thanks to gabe sawchuck on the read option taking it up the middle and then i want to say uh once again you know they get a couple runs here to use most of the clock here but eventually you know it's third and eight they try to throw it with asher weiner here almost throws an interception here um it it looks like you know there's some sort of miscommunication the route was kind of late so i mean the receiver was just not where he needed to be a good defense by Thunderidge again and so valor would go ahead and kick the field goal making it 19 to 7 uh with about two minutes seven seconds left in the third here now thunderage i mean they have to get something going in so uh this is what they do they do throw a couple of screen routes The two plays basically go for about 15-plus yards a pop, so that's pretty productive. Uh, Those are mostly thanks to the receivers, though. I mean, it's not a hard throw to make, and so they finally break loose and make some plays here. Uh, Cole Hanchett, he does get a first down running it up the middle. That puts him at the 28. But then there's a throw over the middle And that's incomplete Um, I mean you just gotta recognize Trey Stott is the one who defended that one And he easily breaks that one up So there you go it's 2nd and 10 And then um, on 2nd and 10 They try to throw it again but Cooper Kier Feels the pressure Instead of checking it down he throws it away So it's 3rd and 10 so kind of a long 3rd and 10 here And then they try to pass it again Kier he rolls out he finds Richard Okuno But the pass is a little bit late here and it sucks because Richard Okuno gets absolutely blown up by a couple Valor defenders here. And on top of that he's short so it's 4th and 3 as the clock runs out and it's the 4th quarter. Now here we go. Fourth and three, Thunder Ridge is on the 21, just outside the red zone here after some nice plays. And so, they go ahead and call pass play. Cooper here drops back. He throws a pretty solid ball over the middle. A a little low, you know, but other than that, pretty solid. But, unfortunately, it is dropped here. And so, that ends another Thunder Ridge drive. Now, Valor, you know, they do get the ball here. (laughs) And... At this point, they feel pretty good. They just got to take care of the ball. But then a um, couple plays later, Thunder Ridge is number four. That's Caleb Keith. Jumps the route here um, and goes ahead and returns it for a pretty nice gain. Puts Thunder Ridge on about the four or six, four or five yard line here. Doesn't quite get in. He is dragged down by a couple of Valor guys here. And so here we go. Thunder Ridge, they are on the goal line here i mean it's first and goal on the six i want to say with about 10 minutes left here and they're just not getting anything i mean cole hanchett stuffed you know doesn't get a lot of yards so it's second and six um solid run but like you said it's second and six then they get another false start uh on thunder ridge um and so that makes it second and 11 then cooper Kier here he goes ahead and he scrambles around here on this pass play. But he definitely, I mean, he takes a step or two in front of the line of scrimmage and throws it to a wide open Cole Hanchett. Obviously, they bring that touchdown back because he, I mean, it's an illegal forward pass. And so there you go. And so on top of that, there's a penalty that makes a third and 16 here. Oh, man. And then they go ahead and call pass play a corner route. Pass is overthrown. I mean, the receiver was open, but he was outside the end zone. And so it's fourth and 15 or fourth and 16 here. They go for it because, I mean, you know, they need a touchdown here. I don't know if a field goal would really help. They're down 19 to seven. And so they go for it. Cooper Kier. I mean, he feels the pressure just a little bit too much here. I don't, he probably could have stuck it out, but he tries to throw it over the middle. He has a receiver open but the ball was thrown at least five yards into the ground three or four five yards in the ground uh just not the greatest throw there and so just like that that's another drive that just doesn't go thunder ridge's way and let me see here there's a about nine minutes yeah nine minutes 23 seconds left in this game and rather christian runs out the entire clock <laughs> All nine minutes and twenty-three seconds. They run out the entire clock and win this game 19 to 7. Um, this is a good win for Valor Christian. I mean, like I said, you know, this goes a long way in helping them win their league. Now they play Mountain Vista next week. You know, that might that'll still be a tough matchup, and so we'll see how that goes. Uh Thunderage, their undefeated season is over. And it doesn't get easier. They play Rock Canyon here as they prep for the playoffs. Now, I got something to say about this game here. Uh, Look, big, big ups to Valor Christian. Their defense played very well very well shout out to that defensive line brody bleak and all them boys uh at the linebacking core roman bradley uh trey stott at safety you know they did their thing they stopped the run and they really locked up in that second half Uh, thunder ridge was not going to be able to run the ball against them in any way you know especially knowing That they could get away with allowing a couple pass plays here and there. Other than that, they weren't going to allow any big plays downfield. And they're going to stop the run. And that's what they did. So big ups to them. Uh, Offense, I mean, you know, could play a little bit better. This Thunder Ridge defense is really good though. And so they did what they had to do. But, I mean, look, shout out to the offense. They did help them win this game. You know, uh, they got those two touchdowns. At the beginning and whatnot, which was huge shout out to Asher Weiner playing a relatively clean game outside of that Caleb Keith you know interception. And then you know they ran out almost 10 minutes of game clock here with only like I don't know only like 80 yards to work with. So to run out that much time and run out the entire game basically is absolutely insane but you know that's what Valor did. And so, shout out to that offense. Valor Christian played really well here. You know, they're a team that deserves a buy after this last game against Mountain Vista, which they're going to definitely challenge here. Now, for Thunder Ridge, there there were a lot of red flags going into this game. The only other game I went to this season was against Mountain Vista, where, you know, Mountain Vista went up by 21, and then Thunder Ridge came back, and it was also a pretty rainy game as well. And honestly... With the way Mountain Vista's been playing, that game seems like a fluke. And with the way I've seen Thunder Ridge playing, it definitely seems like a fluke. Let me just read off how well this offense did. Let me read out how uh, these offensive drives for Thunder Ridge did this game. So on the first drive, they go ahead and uh, Cooper Kier throws an interception. Not a good... I mean, it just wasn't a good play. Not a good read or anything here. He tries to throw the out route. I mean... It wasn't going to reach his receiver anyways, but the Valor DB was also smart enough to come back down and pick that off. And so there you go. And then they almost return it for a touchdown. Uh, Valor does, but they don't. And so interception to start the first drive for Thunder Ridge. On the second drive, it results in a turnover on downs. Um, Really should have been a three and out, but they decided to go for it on fourth down here. Uh, and that they call a screen the screen route was thrown really late and so it was easily blown up and so basically a three and out after that thunder ridge uh, the third drive another three and out Um, they tried to run the ball you know couldn't get anything and then cooper care also took a really bad sack that just killed the vibes i mean they weren't going to convert on third down so there you go and then uh after that the fourth drive here we have another three and out Um, On third down, they try to throw the screen, but it's another bad uh, screenplay, to be honest with you, and a bad throw. The lineman for Valor Christian almost intercepts this one, but he doesn't, and so instead of an interception, it's another three and out. The second one, basically, uh, of this game. Then, again, got another turnover on downs here. (sighs) They do get a first down um, on a nice Cole Hansen run, but then they stall out you know um and then they go for it because of valor encroached and they don't get that either i mean they run a fake punt and it was a direct snap a run play and it just doesn't go anywhere so it's a turnover on down second turnover on downs basically of um of this game so so far you know out of these five drives to start the first five they've thrown an interception they've had two turnover on downs and then two three and outs and then to end that half, you know, you have that turnover on downs here. They did get a first, but they eventually stalled out here. Um, that was the drive where they drove downfield, got really close to the red zone. But then, you know, Cooper Care took a really bad sack. And then there's an unsportsmanlike. And then it was fourth down with like 20 seconds left, you know, and... Um, that was a play where instead of throwing it downfield to give his receivers a chance to catch it, he ran out of bounds. So you know it was a turnover on downs fourth and 19 sichcha where they turned it over. So there you go. that's how that first half started. And then let me hear, I want to go a little bit quicker here. Then in the second half here, they would complete um, a pass for a first down, but then you know they basically go three and out here. On third down, Cooper just didn't throw the greatest throw here. And that pass is dropped. Then after that, you know, you have an actual three and out. Um, I want to say on third down or second down, there was a drop that would have got them maybe two yards and whatnot. And so that's, you know, a mistake on the receiver. But also, it was the wrong read. He had a wide open receiver down the left sideline who was, you know, wide open by a couple of steps there. So uh, there you go. They won three and out on that one. And then after that, you know, they do get, uh, you know, two couple nice plays to start the next drive. Uh, both are screen plays, so there you go. Um, but then, you know, he would throw away the ball on second down, making it third and ten. And then he would kind of feel the pressure, throw it to Richard Okuno. And it wasn't a great throw either. Okuno kind of had to, like, you know, lay out for this one and didn't really have a chance to make a play on the ball. And he just gets lit up, and so, you know... Uh, That's that. They do throw it over the middle though. Uh, It was the right read, but it was dropped. And so I would say that drive was not Cooper's fault in that one. But then the last drive here, you know, they're inside the 10. They're on the 5 or so, uh, 5 or 6. Um, They get a false start That's not good But then after that Cooper Kier runs around He finds an open Cole handshit But he's like two yards In front of the line of scrimmage So you know That's an easy Illegal forward pass That they call Uh, So not only does that Touchdown not count But they also tag on A couple yards there And then after that um, You know It's fourth down He feels the pressure again Climbs the pocket A little prematurely Has a receiver open But throws it into the ground It doesn't go anywhere And that's basically it. And so, Thunder Ridge, look, they do this thing where they try to run the ball out of a spread look. And it'll work against some teams, you know. But against, like, the top eight, I would even say top 12 or 14 teams here in the playoffs it's just not gonna work you know Valor Christian beat them without bringing in too many guys I mean but eventually they just started stacking the box because they really don't respect the pass game like that that's what it is and so they feel a little bit more threatened to go ahead and stop the run which is smart and which is what they did but Thunder Ridge they really like trying to run the ball out of these uh you know spread looks and it's not gonna work out in the playoffs it's just not because teams aren't gonna respect the pass and to be honest with you most teams don't already you know at least the good ones don't already and so what this thunder ridge offense showed me Is that there's plenty to be worried about here, and I'm not gonna blame the line. I think the line did as well as you can against Valor. Valor's always gonna have big boys that are gonna push you, bring pressure, and all that stuff, but you know, this Thunder Ridge line did what they could and had some pretty clean pockets throughout this game. All right, I'm not gonna blame the running backs, they're as good as their line. Plus, I mean, you know, when you run a spread look and you only have five blockers going up against seven or eight because they don't respect the run. The numbers just don't add up there, so there you go. Receivers did have a couple of drops, were out of sync, but I mean, it's it could be argued that you're just as good as your quarterback. And so, honestly, I'm gonna blame Cooper Kier here. I've seen him play twice, I've defended him to other people from around the state, you know, um, and I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he is just not playing well. And he did not play well this game. And you could argue, oh, it's Valor. You know, they're going to play great. They have a great defense. But honestly, I don't think Valor's defense was, like, that overwhelmingly great. If you want to see a great defense, go look at Cherry Creek, you know. But then, you know, people are going, oh, it's Cherry Creek, whatever. All right, okay, cool. I saw Regis Jesuit play, you know. Go look at Regis Jesuit. They're going to have way more pass rushers than Valor did. Valor's just big up front, so their big old defensive lineman could stop the run here, but they may not be able to always pressure the pocket. You know, at least not like Regis would. And then even then, you look at, I've seen teams like Pine Creek play twice at this point. You know, I know what Columbine does. I mean, they're built a lot like Valor, maybe even a little bit better, to be honest with you. Um, At least in the front seven. I don't know about in the secondary, and so... All I'm saying is that Cooper Kier just has not been playing great. And he's a senior. So at this point, I'm like, all right, well, there are certain throws that I know you can't make. All right. I, and I'm an evaluator. So that's just what I'm saying right now. I already know you can't make certain throws. So there's that. On top of that, you're making some really bad decisions. That scramble on fourth and 20. I'm like, bro, why? It's like, put it in the end. zone. So you have a 6-3 receiver. You have a 6-7 tight. Ty- like, what are you doing? That is not smart football, you know, and to go into the playoffs and to try and attempt to win a playoff game, you have to at least play smart football. If you get beat because of talent, hey, that's life, whatever. But you could definitely play smarter than that. And honestly, at this point, I don't know if he can. I'm just going to be real. I don't know if he can. And, you know, I brought this up before. You know, I actually look at the season preview. I said, you know, Thunder Ridge, they're going to have a great record. They'll come close to being undefeated. But there's no way they're going to be undefeated with DJ Bordeaux not starting, especially after this Valor game. I predicted that. And so they're not. You know, they have one loss. Uh, And honestly, I am a little bit surprised. I didn't think they were going to be able to run the ball as well as they could. But, you know, as they enter the playoffs and they... Uh, face teams that have better offenses that are going to force you into a track meet. Uh, you have better defenses that now know the recipe to beating you because they just have to do what Valor did, which, like I said, isn't all that crazy. You know, then I think Thunder Ridge is in trouble, to be honest with you. Honestly, I have a very hard time seeing them get past the first round of the playoffs and even. I mean, let's just start with the regular season. It's not even over. They have to play Rock Canyon, and that is a game that makes me very nervous and should make Thunder Ridge very nervous. Because if you thought it was bad seeing Valor Christian run out the clock against you and all that stuff with nine minutes, run nine minutes of the clock off, then it's going to be bad when Rock Canyon starts running out the clock to start the game. You know, and you lose like something, something like fourteen to zero because your team can't pass it. You know, and I, I just don't know. I don't think Cooper Kier is the right quarterback here, and he hasn't showed it to me. I mean, in the Mountain Vista game, they came back because they ran the ball well against Mountain Vista. You know, they eventually, you know. They eventually wear down on them. And all the scores they had outside of that one touchdown, which, to be honest with you, is more because of C.J. Reese being a beast and all that, all those Thunder Ridge touchdowns in that 21-point comeback came from pretty much running the ball, you know? And so there you go there. And uh, I just, look, I, I just don't have a lot of faith in Cooper Kier. Like I said, I've been defending, bro, and whatnot, Well, you have to play at least four or five times better than what I saw against Valor. Because that was a winnable game. You know, I think Thunder Ridge definitely could have beat Valor after seeing them. That's no disrespect to Valor or anything. You know, they did what they could. And honestly, Valor probably could have won by four or five scores if they wanted to. But instead, they ran out nine minutes of the clock at the end of the game instead of trying to score, which I respect. You know, but like I said, they could have won by a lot more. But for this Thunder Ridge offense to score zero points and to really only make it into the red zone, not even the red zone, they were outside. They were like five yards outside the 20. They They're on the 25. That's the farthest they got, You know, the farthest they've dri- they've driven. But for Thunder Ridge to do that on offense only one time this entire game, despite the defense giving you so many turnovers and stops, is absolutely insane to me. I mean... You know, Thunderidge had another chance in the red zone as well, but you know, that was because, you know, Caleb Keith is a beast and he didn't score. Instead he got down on the four and or five, like I said. And in the back of my mind, I was like, uh oh, you know, he didn't score. I don't know if this Thunder Ridge offense can't score. Their best chance was Caleb Keith with turning that for a touchdown, and he did it and they didn't score. And so all I'm saying is that there are major red flags. With Thunder Ridge's offense here. There's a lot of issues there in general with the scheming and whatnot. I don't know why you're trying to run the ball. Be a run-heavy team. Running it out of the spread. But it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it really just doesn't. And the quarterback they have, I mean, he threw for 100 yards. Is what the box score says. Which, okay, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely surprised by that. He threw for 100 yards here. Uh, But, I mean... A lot of it were screens. I mean, it wasn't like he completed any uh, passes downfield or anything like that. Best he could do is maybe, you know, help someone garner a PI or whatever. But I don't know. I'm out on Cooper Kier. And honestly, I just don't think he's the answer. And I'm not very sure how far Thunder Ridge could go in the playoffs with Cooper Kier at quarterback. You know, and the problem as well is that they have so many weapons, too. You know, it's not on the receivers. Richard Okuno, CJ Reese, Zachary. uh, They're not, like, come on. They're not bad receivers by any means. I think on a lot of other teams, they would be number one receivers, to be honest with you, with much better stats than what they have this year. But I just think they're being underutilized and I don't know. I can't keep defending you, Coop. Uh, That's just what it is. I can't keep defending you. You just play bad is what it is. You just play bad against a solid defense. And, I mean, just look at Thunder Ridge's schedule, Arvada West, Douglas County, Lakewood, Chatfield I could maybe give you, Chaparral, Mountain Vista, Castlefield, Highlands Ranch, Valor Christian, you know, was really the only quality defense they played. Um, I'll throw in Mountain Vista, actually. Along with Mountain Vista as well, which they had to win in double overtime against them anyways, and so... I mean, if that's the best your offense could do, then I just don't know what to tell you. You know, I just don't know what to tell you. And there's there's plenty of red flags. And I just don't think Cooper cares is the answer here at quarterback. And I just don't think Thunder Ridge is going to make a deep run uh, or get past the first round even. And to be honest with you, in this Rock Canyon game, they're going to be battling for that bye. Right now, Thunder Ridge is at eight. If they lose, then they don't have their bye. That's it. So you have to play somebody in the first round. And if they have to do that, I'm nervous. You know, I'm definitely nervous. So we'll see what happens there. Um, also, look, like I said, no disrespect to Thunder Ridge's defense. They played well. You know, they really only held Valor Christian to 17 points. Um, like I said, there's that safety where the ball went out, the end zone and whatnot. I think that's a fluke. I mean, Thunderidge didn't have many snap struggles. At least, you know, with the center slash long snapper snapping it in the rain against Mountain Vista. And so for this to happen against Valor, I think that's a fluke. You know, so whatever. But really, you know, like I said, back to my point, Thunder Ridge's defense only allowed 17 points against a Valor Christian. And if you look at Valor Christian's schedule here, Valor Christian only lost to teams that held them to 17 points and below. The only other two losses they have on the season is that 23-17 to overtime loss to Regis Jesuit, and then that 50-7 loss they took to that out-of-state Liberty team from Arizona. Other than that, whenever Valor has scored over 17 points on offense, you know, they've done pretty well. You know, they've won games, uh, including this one. They, I mean, you know, they won 19-7, and so for that Thunder Ridge defense to allow Valor to, you know, as one of their season lows and for Thunder Ridge's offense to not even be able to score one touchdown or one field goal should say all you really need to know. So there you go. I'm moving on. Let's go ahead and talk about the Saturday games. I actually went to Conifer versus Littleton, but not too much to talk about here. Littleton did not have Bryson Malonga and they did not have Ethan Bird. Which were pretty big deals for them. As Conifer kind of just won big here. They ran all over this Littleton defense. And this Littleton offense struggled to get going. Only one touchdown. And it was a pretty long uh, touchdown. Tim Higgins throwing it to Aiden Lauer. For a big time 50 plus yard touchdown. Other than that Conifer just really dominated here. Uh, And so that's all I really got to say about that. Conifer would end up winning 65-22 to here. You know, as a team, Conifer had 321 rushing yards. Seven rushing touchdowns by. From five different rushers here. Uh, and then two of them had two rushing touchdowns, obviously. Uh Grady Forsyth also had a receiving touchdown. I mean, Conifer just did whatever they needed to do to win big here against Littleton. And so there you go. Conifer, they get Skyview and Evergreen to end the season here. I don't think conifer could i mean i don't know maybe conifer makes the playoffs but they need to beat evergreen realistically to make it in or some teams in front of them need to lose as it sits right now they are currently at 18 after that uh littleton is very much out of the playoff picture despite only being five and three um oh, i don't know littleton they are currently at 27 here it's kind of a tough they need to beat green mountain to make it in um, or even have a chance to because i feel like this is just my opinion some of these rankings just weren't favorable towards them so there you go there uh, but yeah conifer they win big in that one against littleton moving on to the other uh friday or sorry saturday night, saturday night football games jesus christ we're gonna go ahead and go to the 5a matchups north Glen versus doherty doherty wins 49-18 caden becker 10 of 18 199 passing yards 3 passing touchdowns. Ricky Fletcher, 10 rushes, 153 rushing yards, and 2 rushing touchdowns. At this point, North Glen, they're out of the playoff race. Doherty is currently 4 spots out of the playoffs. They're sitting at 28 with 5-4 Overland left. That will probably be for League. If they win that game, they win the League. I wonder if that's enough to make the playoffs. I'm not sure if it's one of those situations where, you know, the League champion goes to the playoffs. We'll see though. So there you go. But still regardless of big game for Doherty here uh coming up. Moving on, Mountain Range versus Overland. Overland wins 34 to 7. Like I said, they play Doherty for um for the league title. But if they beat them, then there's gonna be a three-way tie basically between Denver East, Doherty, and them for league. That's like I said, assuming Overland wins. So there you go there. Falcon versus Air Academy. Air Academy wins 19 to 15. Uh, Air Academy plays Rampart to end the season here, and Rampart needs to beat Air Academy. Rampart is currently sitting at 25 here, one spot outside of the playoffs. Air Academy they're at 20. Even if Air Academy loses that game, I don't think they're not going to make the playoffs unless they lose big. So and, and then that'll matter more. But we'll see what happens there. Falcon they're out of the playoff picture. Uh, so, there you go. Greeley West versus Monarch. Monarch wins 21-0. to 0. Asher Ewing, 13 of 24, 264 uh, passing yards, 1 passing touchdown, 27 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown. Monarch, they're currently at 23 here, according to the index. They play Silver Creek, who's at 24. Just to be safe, Monarch needs to win here. Secure a playoff spot. If they lose to Silver Creek, things to get a little bit interesting, a little bit dicey. And so, they can't do that. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. Denver South versus Far Northeast. South wins 17-0. Chevelle Early 170 yards. One touchdown. Far Northeast, it looks like, is looking to play in the 5A playoffs. And they're currently at 24. At least according to the index. I... Don't know what's going on there, but it looks like Far Northeast, despite having a 4A league, is going to qualify for the 5A playoffs here. They're currently at 24, like I said, with Vista Peak left. We'll see. I could definitely see other 5A teams jumping Far Northeast, though, with a stronger schedule. So we'll see what happens there. Denver South, uh, I mean, you know, they're pretty much guaranteed to buy at this point, even if they lose. So there you go there. They're sitting at a pretty good spot. Roosevelt versus Severance. Roosevelt wins big, 55-8. Xavier Ramirez, 8 carries, 174 rushing yards, 3 touchdowns. Tucker Peterson, 2 receptions, 39 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns. Um, Roosevelt currently is at 1 with Thompson Valley and Mountain View ahead of them. At this point, honestly, doesn't matter if they lose because they should still make the playoffs as a high seed. Sevens, on the other hand, they are at number 21. And they're, uh... Pretty far aways from making the playoffs. If they win out against Mountain View and Northridge, that'll give them the best chance, especially beating Northridge here. But we'll see. No guarantees. They'll need teams in front of them to lose. Mead versus Niyawat. Mead wins 43 to three, and that's big for them because Mead right now has Frederick and Riverdale Ridge ahead of them, and they're currently sitting outside of the playoffs at 17, one spot outside. And so. They need to win out to make it. Them playing Frederick, that is a must-win game. If they win that game, then they should probably be in, um, assuming they don't lose to Riverdale Ridge right after. So there you go there. Uh, Devlin versus Prospect Ridge Academy. Devlin wins 43-9. Austin Bushlack, 11, 13, 187 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. He's been turning it up. Devlin currently is sitting at 12 with a valley left. They're basically a lock for the playoffs. So there you go. Uh, Colorado Springs Christian versus Alcott. They blow them out 53-8. to Colorado Springs Christian a lock for the playoffs at this point, I believe. Rye versus Banning Lewis Academy. Banning Lewis Academy really needed to win this game to make the playoffs here. And they don't. Rye wins 16 16-6 here. And so Banning Lewis Academy, they play Alcott next week. They have to win big, and then they need teams in front of them to lose. I believe Banning Loose Academy, as it stands right now, is currently... I mean, they could be in a worse spot, but they're currently at 18. And so they need to win big, and they need some teams like Estes Park. Um, Yeah. I mean, Ignacio Berling, they need some teams in front of them to lose. They'll need some help there, so it's not even completely in their hands. On the other hand, Rai, they're basically guaranteed a spot in the playoffs as of right now. Uh, Rye is currently sitting at 12. So there you go there. Those are all the Saturday football games. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Playmakers of the Week, brought to you by Code Red Coaching, where the grind to greatness starts with the mind Find out more about Code Red Coaching at coderedcoaching.com or call 720-979-1914 to learn more today. That's coderedcoaching.com or call 720-979-1914. There you go. Uh, we have a lot of great playmakers here for this week. Nine, a lot of guys uh, really stepped up here and won key games for them to either make the playoffs or win league or you know take steps in either. And so, let's go ahead and start on 1A. I got two guys here. I got Lyman's, Gabe Schubarth. He had 186 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, 10 tackles, one interception, and a big dub against Wiggins. Then I got Dylan Hearn, the right running back versus Banning Lewis Academy. He had 181 rushing yards, one touchdown, two tackles, and one sack in that one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Gabe Schubarth here. He's been balling out all season, but in this game, he absolutely took over here. Like I said, 186 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, 10 tackles, and an interception against a very good Wigan squad here. So there you go there on 2a we got a couple guys here uh i got university's cole Croset, 7 of 16 133 passing yards two touchdowns to one pick 143 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown against brush that win would help them win league and punch them a spot in the playoffs then i got florence's levi paxton their quarterback 8 of 17 170 passing yards three passing touchdowns 73 rushing yards and a big time dub against alamosa there uh so there you go and then i got fort lupton's quarterback will alvarado against steamboat springs in a dub 15 of 27 245 passing yards four passing touchdowns 68 rushing yards one rushing touchdown in that one but i'm gonna go ahead and give it to florence's quarterback levi paxton in that big time game against alamosa like i said three passing touchdowns in that one over 220 yards total in a big time dub that not only secures them a spot in the playoffs but secures them a high seed pretty much in the playoffs there so there you go uh, 3A, we have a couple guys here. Lutheran versus Northfield. Uh, Lutheran. they have two guys. Riken Dogger, 21 of 24, 312 passing yards, 3 touchdowns. Ryan Kenny, 56 yards, 4 touchdowns. Uh, so there you go there. Uh, I have Summit's quarterback here as well against Glenwood Springs in a dub. Jack Shearholz, 127 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns. Also, 16 of 18 for 140 passing yards. I got Tommy Poholski against Skyview. Broke some records here. 29 of 36, 333 passing yards, and eight passing touchdowns. And then last but not least, I don't think I mentioned him here in the recap, but Jaden Marquez of Northridge um, had a very good game against Thompson Valley here, a game that they needed to win uh, to bounce back here. He had two interceptions and one tackle. He also had a receiving touchdown in this game. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Jaden Marquez of Northridge high school for that big time dub against thompson valley northridge here you know they maintain a pretty good spot here in the playoffs with a chance to continue to climb and get a higher seed but that wouldn't have been possible without beating thompson valley and Jaden was a big part of that so there you go there moving on to foray we got a couple of players here uh starting with silver creek's running back cole rogers he had 235 rushing yards five rushing touchdowns and 49 receiving yards and a big dub over Greeley West there. Uh Erie's quarterback Blake Barnett against a Longmont really held them off here. He won 13 of 22 for 225 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns. Also had 76 rushing yards and 2 rushing touchdowns. Then we got Cole LaCru out of Broomfield. He has won Playmaker of the Week before, by the way. 178 passing yards, one passing touchdown, 81 rushing yards, and one rushing touchdown in a big time dub league win over Fruta Monument to stay undefeated. And then we got Dakota Ridge's Blake Palladino versus Grand Junction. Six of nine for 105 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 36 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Uh, For this week, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Blake Barnett of Erie. Erie really needed to continue to win here, and he came through time after time again in that second half against Longmont. Like I said, five total touchdowns and about 300 total yards of offense. That is pretty big for Erie in a big-time dub there, so there you go. Now, on 5A, we got three guys here. I got Grandview's tight end, Simon Kibbe, against Cherokee Trail. He had 11 receptions, 152 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. I have Fairview's Zach Lewis against Fossil Ridge, basically the league championship in this game here. Uh, He ran for 129 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, also had eight tackles and a sack and a big-time dub there. And then finally, we have Rolston Valley's Josh Rios versus Chatfield. Uh, He had six receptions, 153 receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns in a huge win there. I'm going to go ahead and give the playmaker of the week to Zach Lewis out of Fairview here. Three touchdowns on offense. Really helping putting Fossil Ridge away, and then as usual, or uh, well, per usual, you know, doing his thing on defense. Eight tackles and a sack in a big time dub over Fossil Ridge, a big time league championship game. So there you go, your playmakers of the week. I'm gonna go ahead and say it: 5A through 1A, and 5A Fairview Zach Lewis and 4A Erie's Blake Barnett and 3A Northridge's Jaden Marquez. In 2A, Florence's quarterback, Levi Paxton. And then in 1A, Lyman's running back, Gabe Schubarth. Those are your playmakers of the week. Once again, brought to you by Code Red Coaching. Alright, so no power rankings this week, like I said. We're actually just going to talk about the playoff picture here. And, you know, some of the important games to look out for. And so uh, we're going to start with 1A here. uh, Just so that you know what the playoff picture is, I'm going to go ahead and start... And at the top here at number one and tell you what the playoff rankings are according to the Chassa seeding index just as a reminder uh, the playoff index is the way that they're going to decide who makes it in and the order that they're in and so that's going to be the average of a team's Chassa RPI and the max preps ranking that they have and so then that's averaged out and that's how they get their seed slash playoff ranking here. Uh, here in the playoff index and so at number one on 1a got Lyman at two is Strasburg three is Ray four is Bonavista five is Wiggins six is Yuma seven is Montavista eight is Centauri nine is Meeker ten is Gunnison 11 is Holyoke 11 is Rye 13 is North Fork 14 is Colorado Springs Christian 15 is Burlington 16 is Zestas Park Uh, so there you go 16 teams are taken in the 1a playoffs here Now, I'm going to read off a couple other teams here. At 17, we have Ignacio, 18, Banning Lewis Academy, 19, Flatirons Academy, 20, Middle Park, 21, Cedar Ridge, and 22, Manual. Um, As of right now, those are all the teams that are pretty much, you know, vying for that last spot there. Those last couple of teams I talked about. But the most important games here, uh, games to look out for here on 1A is Estes Park versus uh, Flatirons Academy. As it stands right now. Estes Park is currently at 16. They hold the last spot in the playoffs. Flatirons Academy is only a couple spots away at 19 here. If Irons beats Estes Park, I kind of feel like there would be a good chance that they could make the playoffs here. Uh, I think that would be the matchup to really watch there. And so, Irons will basically take their, sp- uh, their spot in the playoffs. If Estes Park beats Irons, then I mean, they're pretty much secure there, and it doesn't matter. Now, there are a couple other scenarios where Ignacio and Banning Academy and Middle Park or Cedar Ridge, I guess, can make it in, but I think that starts with Estes Park losing that game and then uh, all those crazy scenarios having to happen, but it starts with that game, so there you go. Now, the other game to look out for is Holyoke versus Burlington. Holyoke, I don't think is going to... drop out of the playoffs they're at 11 right now so even if they lose to burlington they should stay in the playoffs now burlington on the other hand if they lose to holyoke and it's close i think they're okay but if holyoke for some reason for any reason blows out burlington Burlington could potentially drop out and that would leave a spot for SS Park to probably move up and then another team to get in, whether it's an Ignacio, BLA, Flatirons, Middle Park, Cedar Ridge, Manual, whatever, you know, and so keep an eye on that game. That's going to be an important game to look out for and so those are the two games to really look out for the rest of the games in one A's either i don't think is going to matter i don't think it's going to affect who makes the playoffs uh or you know it's just going to affect the seeding here like uh Vista versus centauri for example i don't think that's going to affect who makes the playoffs but it will affect seeding obviously uh, and there are a couple big-time games that will affect seeding. But other than that, everyone should make the playoffs. Nobody gets a bye in one A because that's just—I mean—that's just how it is. So. There you go. Those are the games to look out for there. All right, now in 2A, let's go ahead and talk about the 16 teams uh, that are currently slated to make the playoffs. At number 1, you have the Classical Academy, TCA. At 2, you got Delta. 3, Eden. 4, Florence. 5, the Academy. 6, Basalt. 7, Elizabeth. 8, Alamosa. 9, Woodland Park. 10, Rifle. 11, University. 12, Devlin. 13, Montezuma. Cortez. 14, Moffitt County. 15, Berthoud. And 16, La Hunta. Now, the other teams that are looking to get in that are just outside, 17, Bennett, 18, Pagosa Springs, 19, Brush, 20, Salida, 21, um, Steamboat Springs, 22, Platte Valley. I'll go ahead and throw in 23, Inglewood, and 24, Fort Lupton. Uh, Those are all the teams that are vying for that last spot there. Obviously, the farther back you are, the the harder it is to make it now let's go ahead and talk about some 2A matchups that will matter Uh, number one Eden versus the academy Uh, this one should matter because I mean it's going to decide first off who wins league and then second off it should have an impact on the uh, on the rankings here if the academy defeats Eden then they could potentially well they will move up ahead of Eden at least here and Florence could potentially move up that will affect matchups right off the bat there Now, if Eden beats the Academy, you know, there is a chance for Eden, I think, to move ahead of Delta if they beat the Academy more by more points than Delta beat the Academy earlier this season. So basically, Eden would have to blow out the Academy for that to happen. And so, you know, not the highest stakes, but definitely, you know, it's going to decide who is going to be where to start the playoffs there. So there you go. Now, another game that's going to matter is number 15, Berthoud, versus number 21, Steamboat Springs. Berthoud, I think, cannot afford to lose this game. If Berthoud loses to Steamboat Springs, I don't think they make the playoffs. Now, Steamboat Springs, for them to make the playoffs, it starts with them beating Berthoud. After that, they're going to need a couple other teams to lose here as well. But you don't make the playoffs without beating Berthoud, so there you go. There, So that's going to be a high-stakes game right there. Um, and if Steamboat Springs beat beats Bertha, that's going to help out a lot of other teams too. So just keep an eye out for that potentially. Then we have Florence. Uh, number 4 Florence versus number 16 La Hunta. Florence, they have their playoff spot. They are fine. But if they blow out La Junta here, then La Hunta might not make the playoffs because of the point difference and all that stuff and so there would be a chance that La would drop out of the playoffs uh say and then a Bennett or Bogosa or you know one of these other teams come in and go ahead and take their spot there and so uh that only happens though if Florence blows out La and so that's going to be a choice for Florence so we'll see what happens there. And then last but not least, uh, we have number 17, Bennett versus Wellington, who's number 34. They're not in the playoff race, but Bennett here, I mean, they need to win big against Wellington to have a chance to make the playoffs. Um, And the scenario for Bennett is if they blow out Wellington, like win by 40 or 50 here, win big here, and La Hunta gets blown out by Florence, then there could be a good chance that Bennett moves in for La Junta. so keep an eye on that uh the other scenarios if Bennett wins big over Wellington and Berthid loses to Steamboat Springs then Bennett can move in place here as La Junta moves up and Berthid moves down potentially and so just keep an eye out on that there will be a couple scenarios there but I really think um you know whoever makes it in will depend on those matchups that I just talked about there so there you go Okay, okay, so moving on to 3-8. 3-8 is going to be really interesting. This is not their last week. Uh, well, for most of the 3-8 teams, this is not their last week of the regular season. They have two more weeks of the regular season, and then their playoffs start. Um, well, everyone else, this is basically the last week, and then playoffs start. And so uh, I don't have as many key games here because I do want to see how this week develops here but let me go ahead and talk about the 16 teams that are currently slated for the playoffs here in 3A and so at number one we got roosevelt two is durango three is lutheran four is green mountain five is holy family six northridge seven summit eight resurrection christian nine frederick 10 thompson valley 11 evergreen 12 pueblo east 13 george washington 14 palisade 15 pueblo central and 16 glenwood springs Now, the teams on the outside looking in, 17, Meade, 18, Conifer, 19, Harrison, 20, Northfield, 21, Severance, and 22, Kennedy. Those are all the teams looking to make it in. Uh, For this week, I got three games that's going to matter here. Um, and really helped decide who makes it in and all that stuff. And really sets the stage for the last week of the regular season where, you know, we'll see who really is truly in. But I think one of the bigger matchups will be Resurrection Christian versus Northridge. Uh, that's more of a seeding thing. You know, if Northridge wants to continue and get a better seed, got to beat Rez. Uh, if Rez wants to get a better seed, you know, got to beat Northridge. So there you go there. Now another matchup that'll be uh, I think it will be more important as to who makes the playoffs is number 15 Pueblo Central versus number 19 Harrison. Harrison, you have to beat Pueblo Central to make it in or even have a chance of making it in. you know I don't know if that would be a guarantee uh, there of getting into the top six team, but if you want a chance you got it starts with Pueblo Central. So there you go there. Pueblo Central, if they lose to Harrison, then I mean, they really can't afford. I mean, they just can't afford to lose to Harrison, you know, because then at that point, they would have to slide a couple of spots, a spot or two at least. And, you know, things could get a little dicey, a little risky. And so if you're Pueblo Central, you really want to put away Harrison here and lock in your spot for the playoffs. Now, Speaking of locking in a spot in the playoffs, uh, this week we have number 9, Frederick, versus number 17, Meade. If Meade beats Frederick, which could definitely happen, then they would have a spot in the playoffs. At least that is my understanding. An upset win that could at least get you one spot. So, there you go there. And then Frederick, I mean, they would not have a great chance of getting a top seed in the playoffs. And so, Meade really needs to win here to make the playoffs. And so... That is very possible for them. Doesn't get as much a clear cut as that, to be honest with you. So there you go there. But those are the 3A matchups. Like I said, there's going to be one more week of the regular season after this one. And then we'll get a clearer picture of the playoffs and who needs to win what to make it in. If it matters at that point. So there you go. All right. So let's let's talk 4A. I have a lot of key matchups for this week that's going to matter. But first, let's go ahead and talk about the 24 teams um that are currently set to make the playoffs as of today according to the playoff index so before the last week of the regular season the number one team right now is palmer ridge at number two is broomfield three ponderosa four loveland five moncho six denver south seven heritage heritage excuse me jesus seven heritage and eight vista ridge the top eight teams all get a bye. So those are the eight teams that currently have a bye if the season was to end today. Now after that, number nine, Fruit Fruta Monument, 10, Mesa Ridge, 11, Erie, 12, Golden, 13, Puebla West, 14, Skyline, 15, Dakota Ridge, 16, Bear Creek, 17, Whitefield, 18, Windsor, 19, Longmont, 20, Air Academy, 21, Stanley Lake, 22, Grand Junction Central, 23, Monarch, and 24, Silver creek now the teams on the outside looking in 25 rampart 26 cheyenne mountain 27 thomas jefferson 28 mr peak um and that's pretty much it at this point i don't think any team beyond that really has a chance at making the playoffs there and so there you go there like i said 24 teams make the playoffs here in 4A, and the top eight teams according to this playoff index will have a buy. So let's go ahead and talk about the important games starting with number 23 Monarch versus number 24 Silver Creek. A win for either team would secure their spot in the playoffs. A loss would kind of throw up their chances of making the playoffs in the air and it could go either way to be honest with you. Um, that's going to be a matchup that's going to matter to all the teams looking Uh, in from the outside and so i think most of those teams would love love for monarch to beat silver creek uh by a lot well i guess it doesn't matter i mean it doesn't i don't think it'll matter if either team beats the other by a lot then you could assume that you know one of those teams would slip out so there you go there um and then one of those teams looking to get in is rampart Rampart, currently at 25, plays number 20, Air Academy. If Rampart wants to make the playoffs, they got to beat Air Academy. They have a pretty clear path to the playoffs, to be honest with you. If they beat Air Academy, I mean, obviously, one of the teams, whether it's Monarch or Silver Creek, has to drop out, uh, I would think, because... You know, Rampart beating a team that's five spots ahead of them at 20 would be pretty big. And so I think Rampart would automatically get that last spot in the playoffs. I would I would want to stay there. So there you go there. Now, another matchup that will matter here on the back end. We have 22 Grand Junction Central versus number 18 Windsor. Both of these teams... Are pretty much locked for the playoffs. I would say Windsor is definitely a lock for the playoffs. But if Grand Junction Central by any means gets blown out by Windsor. Things could start looking a little bit dicey. They might altogether fall out of the playoffs here especially with looking at this matchup between Monarch and Silver Creek I mean they're playing each other there's definitely a situation where you know one of those teams don't drop too far and then if Rampart upsets Air Academy then that should be enough to push Rampart in there and so that might result in Grand Junction Central being on the outside looking in potentially and so this is a game that's going to matter more for Grand Junction Central than Windsor But also, it's another path for a team to sneak in if Grand Junction Central loses by a lot here. So, we'll see. The keyword is by a lot. So, there you go there. Now, let's move up a little bit here in the rankings. We have number 6, Denver South, playing number 27, Thomas Jefferson. If Thomas Jefferson wants any chance of making the playoffs, gotta beat Denver South here. Um, and you know, if they beat Denver South, then TJ would definitely jump up a couple of spots along with a couple of teams losing that would help them out there. So just keep an eye on that. Then we have Broomfield, or sorry, not here. Let me talk about this other matchup first. We got number 13 Pueblo West versus number five Montrose here. If Pueblo West upsets Montrose machos might they just might lose their buy depending on how that game goes here uh probably west i don't think there's any chance for them to move up but and like potentially get a buy but it would help other teams vying to get in so just keep an eye out on that and then finally or uh sorry i have one more game to talk about after this one but we have number two broomfield versus number seven heritage roomfield no matter what should have a buy heritage if they lose big here they may potentially drop out of the top eight in a team like a monument uh or mesa potentially could move in but most likely it would be a monument there uh so there you go and then last but not least i want to mention this real quick there's palmer ridge versus vista ridge uh this should be a great game regardless here I don't think Vista Ridge would drop out of the top eight if they lose a close one to Palmer Ridge. But if Palmer Ridge absolutely blows them out, there's a scenario where Ruta Monument could potentially take their bye week here. So there you go there. Uh, just keep an eye out on that. But a lot of matchups here that's going to matter, um, you know, for seeding and whatnot, all that great stuff. And we'll definitely see, you know, what will happen on this back end here on the bubble as there are a couple of teams on the bubble and a couple of very interesting matchups that could affect those teams on the bubble. All right, let's talk 5A football here. Once again, just as a reminder, I'm talking about the playoff index here. Uh, the Chassa playoff index is a combination of the Chassa RPI for teams and the max prep rankings for teams. And they basically average that out you know, wherever your ranked is where, uh, is how they decide, you know, who is where in the playoffs and who makes the playoffs as well. So there you go there. You can look this up on Chass' website, by the way, if you want to see for yourself. Well, let's go ahead and go through and talk about these teams. Uh, Remember in 5A, 24 teams make the playoffs, top eight teams get a buy. And so at number one, you got Cherry Creek. 2, Valor Christian, 3, Ralston Valley, 4, Regis Jesuit, 5, Pine Creek, 6, Grandview, 7, Columbine, 8, Thunder Ridge. At 9, just outside of those bi-week teams, is Arapahoe, 10, Rock Canyon, 11, Fairview, 12, Legacy, 13, Mountain Vista, 14, Foster Ridge, 15, Eagle Crest, 16, Legend, 17, Fountain for Carson, 18, Pooter 19, Highlands Ranch, 20, Chatfield, 21, Rocky Mountain, 22, Arvada West, 23, cherokee trail and interesting enough 24 is far northeast despite them having a mostly 4a schedule but i guess they qualify for 5a playoffs and then just outside you got 25 mullen 26 smoky hill 27 douglas county and 28 doherty so there you go there um i'm gonna throw this out there i'm not sure If 5A still has one of those deals where, you know, if you win your league, then you automatically make the playoffs because that will matter when it comes to Doherty uh, and their matchup here. And so, yeah, but let's go ahead and start with Far Northeast versus Vista Peak. Technically, Far Northeast is at the 24 spot here. They play Vista Peak. If for any reason, Vista Peak defeats Far Northeast, then Far Northeast is not making the playoffs Even if Far Northeast defeats Vista Peak, I don't know if that's going to be, if that strength of schedule is going to be stronger than some of these other 5A teams here. So just keep an eye out on that. Uh, One of those teams, hoping that it isn't strong enough, is number 28, Doherty. They're playing number 34, Overland. That'll be for the league championship, basically. If Doherty wins, then they're the league champions. If Overland wins, then I think there's like a three way tie or something like that. But Doherty. If they win here, considering they're at 28, they would have a good chance at making the playoffs. But most likely, it would be at 24. You would need some other things to potentially go their way. So just keep an eye out on that. Um, Another matchup that's going to matter, number 25, Mullen, is going to be playing number 32, Rangeview. Rangeview cannot make the playoffs at this point. But if Mullen loses to Rangeview... For any reason here, then Mullen does not have a chance at making the playoffs, and so for Mullen to have a chance, they gotta beat Rangeview, and then they're gonna probably need Far Northeast to, you know, either lose to Vista Peak, or Mullen's gonna have to blow out Rangeview uh, by a, quite a bit, and that would also help their chances as well. Uh, so there you go there. Uh, another matchup that's going to matter as we kind of move up a little bit here is Arapaho versus Eagle Crest. Eagle Crest currently at 15. Arapaho is at 9. If Arapaho wants to have a chance at getting a bye week, they have to defeat Eagle Crest. If Eagle Crest beats them, then they're not going to get a bye. Both teams are going to make the playoffs though. And so that's the only thing that will matter for the bye week there. Now another thing that's going to matter when considering who gets a bye week is this Mountain Vista versus Valor Christian game. Um, Mountain Vista is currently 13. Valor Christian's currently number two. If Mountain Vista defeats Valor Christian, you know then potentially Mountain Vista could move up and get a bye. Potentially, it just depends how it goes down. Valor I think would still get a bye. But they would obviously have a lower seed here. And so, just keep an eye out on that. Um, But the game that will definitely matter a lot here is Rock Canyon versus Thunder Ridge. Um, Thunder Ridge currently number 8, Rock Canyon 10. You heard my opinions on Thunder Ridge. I don't know if they could win with the quarterback they have right now. At least with the way he's played the last couple games and what I've heard, I just don't know if that's a winning quarterback or a winning situation, especially against a good team like Rock Canyon, Canyon. And so if Rock Canyon beats Thunder Ridge, Thunder Ridge would obviously drop out of that eight spot and either Arapahoe or Rock Canyon or maybe even Mountain Vista might have a chance to move up in that spot and take their bye week. And then Thunder Ridge would have uh, week 1 or um, yeah, a playoff game week 1 basically so there you go there that's gonna be kind of the most important game that a lot of teams vying for a bye week are gonna keep an eye on that thunder ridge and rock canyon game if thunder ridge does beat rock canyon then i would imagine thunder ridge stays there and then those eight teams right there should all have a bye week so there you go there now going kind of back down here in the rankings we have number 19 highlands ranch playing number 30 Castleview. highlands ranch in my opinion, they have a losing record. I mean, you know, they're 2-7. and seven. They're really here because of the strength of their schedule and how close some of these games have been. Credit to them. Um, but in my opinion, I think Highlands Ranch really needs to beat Castleview. Not by a lot. They just need to beat him in order to secure a spot in the playoffs. If Castleview defeats Highlands Ranch, you know, and just keep in mind, Castleview is way outside. They're at 30 right here then Highland's Ranch could potentially slide. i mean, just looking at the record and all that stuff and them not being able to beat some of these teams and losing big to a 3A team. I could see them sliding out of the playoffs potentially here. Like I said, if Highland's Ranch takes care of business, then they stay in it. So we'll see what happens. And that would be interesting as Highland's Ranch is in that league with Rock Canyon, um, Valor and all of them. That would be the one league that would send basically everybody but one team. That would be Castleview, um, unfortunately. So, there you go. Another matchup that'll matter is Smokey Hill. Number 26, Smoky Hill. though, they're two, they're two spots out. They are going to be playing number 23, Cherokee Trail. If Smokey Hill beats Cherokee Trail, there would be a good chance that Smokey Hill could make the playoffs here despite them having potentially make it at 2-8. and eight. Uh, But for Smoky Hill to make it, they will need probably a couple other teams to lose. Potentially Highlands Ranch and all that uh, stuff, assuming they don't beat Cherokee Trail by a lot. If they beat Cherokee Trail by a lot, then they make it in. Uh, Cherokee Trail, I don't think could slide out of the playoffs, but, you know, if they lose big, then they might. They just might. Uh, now, if they win, then they're definitely in. So, there you go there. Uh, so, we'll see what happens with... That game, and then last but not least, we got Chatfield number 20 versus number seven Columbine. If Chatfield beats Columbine, I don't think Columbine will have a buy, and so that will potentially open up another spot. For a team to take a bye, uh, especially if Thunder Ridge wins, then, you know, that would open up an opportunity for another team to get in as Columbine would probably drop out if number 20 Chatfield beats them. Now, if Columbine defeats Chatfield, I mean, I think they're fine. Uh, I, I would assume that they're fine and they're good to go there. I don't think anything crazy. Would happen as long as they don't get beat by a lot. And there are a couple games like that. I know Arvada West. They're playing Ralston Valley. That's kind of a game that matters. As long as Arvada West doesn't lose by 50 or 40. um, Over Ralston Valley. Who's currently at 3. And it doesn't really affect them. Then I don't think uh, Arvada West would drop out of the playoffs. But you know we'll see. Those are just all the big games. The key games that will matter. There as we are approaching the playoffs. And that is basically the playoff picture. All right, now for this last segment i really want to talk about records and uh you know some players to watch as they continue to climb the all-time record books here in colorado high school football history first off let me go ahead and start with championships as of right now the team the program with the most championship championships in colorado high school football history is Lyman they have 20 and you know that might not even change as this year they are the one seed in 1a and and probably the favorite to go ahead and win another championship and so there you go there they're going to continue to win and whatnot for any other team to catch up Lyman has to stop winning championships that's just how it is Um, The next closest ones are Cherry Creek and Fort Collins. Fort Collins, obviously, they're not going to go to state this year. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. But Cherry Creek, they have 12. They're the one seed in 5A, obviously. I don't know if they could ever reach Lyman here, but they could definitely get second all-time in championships if they win this year. Now, let's move on to the player Records here. Uh there's definitely a couple and you'll see that they're dominated by a couple specific players here. Obviously, it takes a lot to break uh records and to move up in the record book. So uh yeah, but um quick note before I start though, for some reason the Chassa record book does not have total rushing touchdowns in a career or in a season, which is whack to me. I don't know why they would not have that. Uh, Since everyone loves to run the ball here in Colorado. And so, there's that. So, I'm sure there are probably some running backs out there that might be approaching, you know, a specific number or whatnot when it comes to career rushing touchdowns or rushing touchdowns in a season. But because it's Chassa, they have not recorded it at all. Uh, and you could check out the Chassa website here if you want to. Because that's where I'm getting all my records from. So there you go. But let's go ahead and start with quarterback here. Uh, Brayden Dorman, you know, he is currently the starter at Vista Ridge. And I believe he is the only quarterback in the state as of right now that has started all four years or has gotten starts all four years of high school, and so there's a lot to work with here. All of my stats, by the way, are before their uh final regular season game against Palmer Ridge. So just remember that. But right now, uh passing completion percentage in a season. Braden Dorman currently has a 73.3 percent passing uh completion as of right now and so if the season was the end right now and he wasn't gonna play any more games he would be third all-time behind tom fannell and adarius edwards who had 73.5 percent and 75 percent uh past completion percentage in a in a season respectively and so uh we'll see what happens with that i mean that's not as important as a stat i would say or as a record uh is there a chance that he could move up to second or maybe even first sure You know, but it's definitely more likely that that pass percentage might go down just a little bit as they do play better teams in the playoffs start. Um, But either way, he should have a top 10 record in that passing completion percentage in a season, if not even top five. So there you go there. Now, let's uh, talk about past completions in a career. Currently, Braden Dorman has 681 career complici- completions, which would be good for 5th all-time right now. That is 13 completions behind Zach Linnell of Bear Creek, who has 694. And then Aiden Atkinson, the Fairview quarterback who graduated a couple years ago, has the current record with 753 career pass completions then right behind Aiden Atkinson you also have Johnny uh, Kush I want to say he has 723 and Sean Davis who has 701 uh, career pass completions and so you can obviously see that number goes up going up he's gonna continue to complete passes obviously but like i said it's gonna be against better opponents and so we'll see how high he could get i think it's definitely possible for him to be top three top two by the end of the season and playoffs because by the way records count season regular season and playoffs so there you go there but just keep an eye out on that uh to reach 753 completions to break the record it can be doable, but he's going to have to have some truly elite games against a number of playoff teams for that to happen. So we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, then passing yards in a career. Braden Dorman currently has 9,820 passing yards, which right now is good enough for a third all-time behind Justin Holland of Bear Creek, who had 10,565 passing yards. And Aiden Atkinson, who has 11,519 passing yards. Um, If he were to break that 10,000 passing yard goal, threshold, whatever you want to call it, he would be the third quarterback all time in Colorado high school football history to pass for 10,000 yards which is absolutely insane and be the first one to do it since Aiden Atkinson. And by the way, um, you're going to hear his name a lot. He went to Fairview, graduated in 2019, I believe. Uh, So there you go. And actually, I think he's a listener of the podcast as well. So shout out to Aiden here. But anyways, let's keep it going. Let's talk about career still here. Um, Passing touchdowns in a career. Raiden Dorman currently has 113 passing touchdowns in his career as of right now. He is tied with David Garcia all-time at second uh, Aiden Atkinson holds that career passing touchdown record with hundred and thirty passing touchdowns so there you go now let's go ahead and talk about season stats here so, passing yards in a season, right now, Dorman, he currently has 3,318 passing yards a season, which is the personal best, by the way. And that would be good enough to place him 17th all-time on that passing yards in a season list. Now, if he was to get 4,000 passing yards in a season, that would put him at 4th all-time in front of Johnny uh, Fiatto, I want to say, a Fairview. And right behind Aiden Atkinson. The all time record for passing yards in a season is 4,181 yards, um, which is Justin Holland of Bear Creek's record. And so, as of right now, Braden Dorman is roughly 800, 900 yards away from that as of recently he has basically averaged roughly around 300 passing yards and whatnot so if he has three games where he passes over um or at 300 yards then that record is definitely doable definitely something that he can break. so just keep an eye out on that uh, so there you go now passing touchdowns in a season Braden Dorman currently has 46 passing touchdowns obviously that leads the state Uh, And that's on the season right now. Uh, Right now, if he wasn't to play any games as that stands, that would be good enough for fifth all-time in that passing touchdowns in a season record book. But if he crosses 50 passing touchdowns, which, like I said, he has 46 right now, he would be the third quarterback ever to do it next to Aiden Atkinson, obviously, of Fairview, and Clay Garcia of Alamosa. The record for the most passing touchdowns in a season is currently 56 held by Aiden Atkinson. And obviously, if he does pass for 50 passing touchdowns as well, on the all-time list of quarterbacks... Uh, and they're passing touchdowns in a season, he would be fourth all time if he got to 50 touchdowns. And anything past that, he's going to continue to climb. Like I said, the record is 56 touchdowns. So he's about 10 touchdowns away as of right now, uh, right before this Palmer Ridge game and at least one playoff game. And so we'll see what happens there. Like I said, just a couple things to keep in mind with Braden Dorman. Obviously, he hasn't been playing full games, too many full games this season. A lot of games he's either pulled out by halftime or by the end of the third quarter. You know, obviously in uh, more competitive games like against Pine Creek and whatnot, he'll play the whole thing, and he's still got his in those games as well. So you just got to keep that in mind. And then on top of that, his sophomore year where he got a... I mean, you know, a pretty good amount of playing time. He only played five games because of COVID. uh, And they were all regular season games because they didn't make the playoffs, even though they had a winning record. So, or at least I thought they had a winning record. So there's that as well. And so there was definitely, I mean, you know, if COVID never happened, he definitely would be, you know, breaking a lot of these records and be within, I mean, you know, considered the greatest Colorado High School football quarterback of all time, which I think he already isn't in that conversation. But you know, if he owned those records, uh, which he could have by now, then I think that conversation would be easier to have and less of a debate. So there you go. Uh those are all the passing records. Raiden Dorman, he's having a historical season. Some of y'all might not have recognized that or believed us, but you know, there you go. The proof is in the pudding, uh, in the stats in the records. So there you go there now we do have a couple of receiving records i want to talk about here um from uh Braden Dorman's receiver and his main target brandon bb hills he will be a senior this year as well uh but let's go ahead and start with career uh some receiving touchdowns in a career right now he has 46 career receiving touchdowns that's ahead of this palmer ridge game he is currently tied for third all time with ryan brown of west grand in front of him is christian McCaffrey, who you know plays for the 49ers right now who has 47 receiving touchdowns And Ryan Lenderman, I believe of Grand Junction, who has 49 receiving touchdowns. So right now, B.B. is about three receiving touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns away from breaking the record. And being the first Colorado high school football receiver all time to have 50 career receiving touchdowns, which would be huge. Now, B.B. is not the only one chasing this. This is where things get really special here. Tucker Peterson of Roosevelt is also tied with 46 receiving career touchdowns as of right now. Now Tucker, he has regular season games still against Thompson Valley and Mountain View. And then he'll have at least one more playoff game as Roosevelt is currently the one seed in 3A. Regardless of what happens, the all-time Colorado receiving touchdown leader will between will be between... Brandon Beebe Hills of Vista Ridge, and Tucker Peterson of Roosevelt. And so that's how special that is. I really anticipate both of these guys being at the top, passing Christian McCaffrey, passing Ryan Brown, and passing Ryan Lenderman here, and getting to 50 receiving touchdowns. And so really at this point it's not a race of seeing all right you know is he gonna break the record or not it's more of a race of seeing who is gonna come out on top bb hills or tucker peterson regardless one of them will be one and two or maybe one and one if they tie and so that's a really interesting thing to keep an eye out uh for both tucker peterson and bb hills both are seniors right now by the way and just to put it in perspective bb you know he did get some snaps his freshman year and whatnot uh but like Braden Dorman really got going here in his sophomore year during the covid year and then has turned up so far tucker peterson on the other hand you know he has started since his freshman year and one of the things that'll make this record special with Tucker Peterson, uh, whether he gets it or not, at least he'll be second or whatever, you know, is that he has had four different starting quarterbacks in the four years that he played for Roosevelt. His freshman year, he had Braden Sia. So there you go. His sophomore year, he had Brig Hartson. And then his junior year, he had Braden's a brother, I assume, Brock Sia. And then this year, he has Brig Hartson's little brother, uh, Bronco Hartson. And so, uh, interesting enough, he's had two pairs of brothers that he's played with. All of those quarterbacks have played, you know, one full season, but no more than that. And so for Tucker Peterson to be in the position he is with four different quarterbacks each of these last uh, four years is absolutely insane. But like I said, we'll see what happens with that. Now, let's get back to B.B. Hills. He has the majority of these other records here, or is chasing uh, the majority of these other records here. Let's still talk about career records. Um, Let's talk about receiving yards in a career. So, right now, B.B., he currently has 3,348 receiving yards in a career, which right now is good enough for sixth all-time. The next closest is Josh Clausen who Has 3,523 yards. He played for Lutheran High School, but the record for receiving yards in a career is actually held by Anthony Roberson, uh, the second of Palmer Ridge. He graduated a couple years ago, who has 4,042 receiving yards in his career. So, as it stands right now, BB is roughly 700 yards away from that. Record and so we'll see where he lands with that. Now, the other career record I want to look at is receptions in a career. Right now, uh, BB Hills has 181 receptions on his career at 181, that is good for 10th all time ahead of Billy, uh, Pospisil. I think that's Jack of Pomona, who had 177. If he was to get over 191 receptions all-time, that would be good enough to put him at 6 over Kyle West of Skyline. That would be all-time. The record right now is currently 251 receptions held by Ryan Lenderman of Grand Junction. And then interesting enough, the most most recently, Caleb Johnson of Longmont, he graduated last year, had 241 career receptions and he is second all the time. And so there you go there. We'll see how high BB uh, continues to climb on that List. Now let's talk about these last two records. Uh, receiving yards in a season. Right now, uh, BB is currently, he has 1,373 receiving yards on this season, which would be good enough for 16th all time if he didn't catch another receiving yard. Um, the record is 1,860 receiving yards held by Sam Martin of Fairview when he did that back in 2013. Now, if he catches For 200 more receiving yards, he would be 5th all-time behind Matt Menard of Devlin, and he had 1,567 receiving yards. So there you go, B.B., he currently has 1,373. He is definitely within striking distance. Like I said, we'll see how far he goes and uh, how close he could get to breaking that record if he does. Now, receiving touchdowns in a season, um, Brandon B.B. Hills currently has 20 receiving touchdowns this season, which would currently be... Be tied for eighth. Now, the record is currently 26 receiving touchdowns in a season. That record is held by Henry Blackburn of Fairview, who did it back in 2019. And so, that's 26. BBS has 26. Now, the guys in front of him, you have Shane Opitz. He has 25. He played for Heritage. Tristan Hedrick uh, from Chira, I want to say. He had 24 receiving touchdowns. You have Maddox Coleman. He did this last year for Granada. He had 24 receiving touchdowns. You have Marcel Barbie. Um, he had... 23 for Pueblo South back in uh, 2017. I remember that. You have Kane Madrano of Pueblo East. He had 21 back in 2018. I also remember that. And then you have Bryce Sardinas of Fairview. He did it in 2018 and he has 21 touchdowns. And so BB like I said right now has 20 he can con- he could definitely continue to climb here that is a record that is very very doable here you know he could definitely climb that list and potentially break one of those so there you go those are all the records to look out for you know uh, definitely another historical season by the football players of Colorado you know they've been balling out uh, and all that doing their thing and so those were the guys that really stood out and have been doing it for a while and have been doing it at a very very high level and obviously Dorman and bb hills they have all the vista rich passing yards and receiving uh, records there uh making history as is so there you go those are all the records to look out for And, you know, maybe a little bit of an ad to go watch some Vista Ridge and Roosevelt football uh, as, uh, you know, those guys continue to get closer to breaking those records so that, uh, you know, you can witness some history. All right. But anyways, thank you so much for rocking with us. I know this was a long episode, but I really wanted to give y'all the playoff picture and all the scenarios that would need to happen for certain teams to get in. No other media outlet in the state is doing that. Go ahead and try to look it up you can't and so we tried to present you with that and obviously wanted to go ahead and present you with this record watch here so that you can see you know what potential records might be broken here in the next couple weeks and what history might be made so there you go. Uh we hope to see you at some of these Colorado High School football games. It is the last regular season game for a lot of these teams here. I also want to shout out all the teams that may not make the playoffs but have some great seniors on those squads and whatnot that have contributed uh all these years. A uh, big shout out to them. They've battled all these years and they've contributed what they can and whatnot but unfortunately their senior season's just not going the way they may have wanted but still balling out regardless so huge shout out to those guys but like i said thank you so much for rocking with us we do hope to see you at these regular season games next week you know we are gonna go ahead and fill out our brackets myself cody gideon Once those playoff um, brackets come out, we're going to fill them out so that we have them uh, done before the playoffs start. And then that'll basically be our predictions on how the postseason will go. But every episode after every postseason week and game, you know, we're going to predict all the postseason games 1 through 5A and how they will go. And we'll give you our reasons for that as well. And then on top of that, we're also going to be starting our end of the year Awards And so just a quick explanation with that, you know, we have most valuable playmaker, offensive playmaker of the year, defensive playmaker of the year, uh, our freshman of the year, which, you know, is pretty self-explanatory goes to a freshman that has stood out on varsity. And that goes for each level. And so myself, Cody and Gideon will have votes for all of them. Uh, and then we will have guest voters Uh, One guest voter for 1 through 3A, and then one guest voter for 4 through 5A. That'll bring the total to 4. And then you, the people, the public, our fan base, will have our fifth vote. Those polls will go up on Twitter, and you'll have a chance to vote. And the player, the candidate who gets the most vote, gets the public vote. And so there's five votes total that can be one for each of the final four finalists uh that we'll have in um each award category and like i said we'll do one through 5a and on top of that we'll do all playmaker teams myself cody and gideon have been very much studying a lot of these players some of the games we go to specifically so that we could watch some of these players and so it'll be kind of like all stateless but all playmaker because it's a Just solely up to myself, Cody, and Gideon deciding on who makes those lists. And so the 1A All Playmaker list will drop with the 1A End of the Year Awards show. Uh, and so forth and so forth and so forth so every week you know on fridays uh that uh end of the year award show and all playmaker list will drop and we'll start with 1a and work our way up to 5a so just keep an eye out for that you know and if you want to go ahead and follow us on social media that's at playmakers corner on facebook instagram twitter tiktok as well we post a lot of content of the games we go to there and then subscribe to us on youtube twitch Um, you know, we post content there sometimes through a live stream and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much for rocking with us and we'll catch you later.